what really gets my dick hard is Well, this is Pawpaw, and we're plum tickled to have you listening to Metal Up Your Podcast, see? Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 78, and we're going to take you to the very fur- furthest southern region of planet Earth, to Antarctica, and talk about the not only historic, but world record-breaking show called Freeze Em All. Yeah. The boys played Antarctica. This, they, they played the seven continents that year. Yeah. And I was noticing today, they played it on December 8th. Do you know what that is important about that date? Tell me. Well, number one, John Lennon was killed on December 8th, 1980. And then Dimebag Darrell was killed on December eighth. That's right. Same, uh, same, same, uh, same date. Same date. Same, same day. Same, same year. Same year. <laughs> same venue. This is before uh, Metal Magic, before, when Pantera was a glam band. Yeah, wasn't uh, John Lennon shot in Columbus, Ohio? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. At, at the New Jersey or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've always thought that the 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 those two dates, two of my you know musical heroes, were, right, were shot down on December eighth. You should be careful on December eighth. Yeah, because I'm in that caliber. Yeah, man. Hey, you played on my album today, and I can say that Clint is in that caliber. We are here, by the way, speaking of playing on your record, we've, we're recording once again at HQ4. No Paul Moak, though. Paul? Paul? He's not here to answer us, Yeah, no Paul. Beca- well, so I'm still in the in the midst of recording my, my uh, full-length record, and most of my recording stuff for the podcast was already here, so Paul was gracious enough to uh, lend us HQ4 once again. It was fun to come by today. I came by today. Um, they, the boys were working a bit earlier, and I, uh, I had a show to play for CMA Fest uh, kind of around this area. So I came in, and uh, Devin, the, one of Paul's engineers, said, uh, do you want to hear the song? To which I think I said, I don't, I don't think so. What? I just told you what key. I, I told you the chord progression, which is really simple. It was just G minor to F. And right. you're like, all right, cool. And, and Clint did it in one pass. I did. I did a kind of a vibey, ambient Pink Floyd solo. It was super cool. There's nothing better than when you burn something down and you look at the producer, Paul Moak, and he's like, I think we got it. We're done. Yeah. I mean, Clint literally sat down with the guitar. He, he, you noodled on the guitar longer than you actually recorded. <laughs> we talked about Paramore longer than I We did talk about Paramore longer. longer. <laughs> you did it Frank Sinatra style, one take, and you were gone in an Uber. Yeah. Well, it was fun, and f- from what little I heard of the song, it sounds like it's a good one. It's going to be a smash. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's Unforgiven caliber. Really? Unforgiven level? I think so, yeah. In the Unforgiven trilogy, is it Unforgiven 1? 4. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually called the Unforgiven 4. Well, here's the deal. If you're joining us uh, for the first time and you somehow made it through all that talk, uh, <laughs> Ethan and I are two professional musicians based in Nashville, Tennessee. Every week we get together to talk about our favorite metal band, the Mighty Metallica. We've been on the ride for over a year and a year and a half now. We have a year and a we're, half. We're at a year and a half. I mean, it's early June, so happy year and a half anniversary. Happy year and a half. You know what? Cheers. Cheers. I know you cheers. just took a sip. Oh my gosh. Um, I'll clap. You cheers. Hang on. I'll cheers. Clink, there we go. Clink, clink, clink. clink. All right. 
in the early days, I used to chew a lot of ice. I've, I've really curbed the ice chewing habit. Yeah, you did. Well, I think you got a little self-conscious about it because one of my friends would point it out every time <laughs> you did right. it. Dude, speaking of one of your friends, when I came by the studio today, I got to meet Nathan Thomas, who is a friend of yours and ours, but who I'd never met. Yeah. We actually mixed our Metallica EP. That's right. Yeah. Nathan Thomas is a long, long friend of mine. Um, he's very long. He's like Gumby. He's a long person. He's I'm like going to say long time friend. Um, <laughs> he's a long friend. He's long. If he lays down. Kind of A-blinking long. Yeah. 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 Especially with the top hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. No, so Nathan is also a friend with Paul Moak and Devin, the guys here at Smokestack. And... Um, Nathan mostly is doing shows on the weekends with the artists he plays for. Mm-hmm. So during the week, he's been hitting me up like, hey, my kids are with the nanny. Can I come hang out at the studio? And he'll hang from like 10 to 4, which is awesome. And he's, you know, a good friend and stuff. But so Clint came by and got to meet him, the guy who mixed our EP for the first time. You today. know what's really interesting about that is you've got your friends who are like, can I come hang? All right. It's a very special person where you're like, yeah, because they'll be cool. Right. They'll, they'll have something to offer the conversation or the room. But they'll also know how to be quiet. Exactly. Well, Nathan, as we've mentioned, he's he's you know long savvy in the studio and long and long with the top hat. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so he knows the drill. It's like he knows the deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and I love my friends, but there's certain people I probably wouldn't be like, yeah, come hang in the studio for six hours. Well, because either you feel responsible for them, or you you don't know if they can handle just sitting around, right. Or getting into shit because you know, because I've come and hung out when uh, Mayfield's been here. Maybe I played a guitar thing, and maybe I wanted to hang around a bit and have, right. a, have a beer while they're working. Sometimes shit can get real when you're making a record. Like decisions oh, yeah. got to be made, or like some. So sometimes it can be frustrating to find a sound or a part. And exactly, you yeah. got to know how to be cool back there. Well, the vibes are good here during my during my recording. The session, vibe was so. very good today. Yeah, we also Paul also. Ha- I know we're already on a million tangents here, but Paul also also has in the uh, tracking room of his studio has a, a screen that pulls down like a projection screen. And uh, every day they're basically putting up, uh, they go on YouTube and find like four hour long <laughs> scenes of a beach. But it's kind of nice. I go in there to do vocals. And I look up and I'm like, man. They really m- do the whole experience here. Oh, yeah. You guys have to record here. All well, Everybody. What, one, of the, one of the computers in the, um, in the control room when Mayfield was making his last record, I don't know if you remember this, just as a joke, because we joke about like 90s culture. Right. They had like, a bunch of '90s like uh, Pamela Anderson, not oh, not yeah. nude pictures, but no, no, like no. it'd be like Shannon Doherty. Oh, I've contributed to that folder. It's it was a '90s babes folder. '90s babes, yeah, Tiffany 90s Amber babes. Thiessen. Yes, all right, but Christina then, Applegate. But then, um, I guess on a lunch break, Devin put in like pictures of like praying in the Bible. So because it was like this random screensaver. That's, so it'd be yeah. like Pamela Anderson, Shannon Doherty, Christine Applegate, and then like a praying kid <laughs> <laughs> kneeling next to his bed, just to just to bring on the shame cloud. Yeah. Hey, what's our podcast about again? Oh, Christine Applegate. That's right. Okay, so episode four, season five of Married with Children was great when <laughs> Anthrax was on. Were they on that show? That's true. Yeah, they were on an episode. Look at you. How long have you been waiting to? Drop that factoid that on the world. I just randomly pulled out of the little hard drive in my brain that is, I just dusted off real quick because I haven't thought about that in years. Well, you know what I noticed today? We're at 299 positive iTunes reviews. Now, what? do you guys want to help us get over the 300 line? If you want to help us do that, go leave us a positive review. You don't have to. You don't have to. We're doing okay over there. Yeah. But if you do like the show and you haven't done it, why not? I don't think we mentioned this, or maybe you did on the radio episodes, but 
for a very brief time last week, we cracked the top 200 podcasts. Well, someone, yeah, someone tweeted it at us that we were the to- in one of the top 200 podcasts. Yeah, you texted me. I looked and it wasn't there. And I was like, nah, that's bullshit. That didn't happen. And then I got on Twitter and I saw the screenshot of it. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, we were number 200. Maybe we were bumped off as soon as we were let on, but... I mean, hey, I think it's pretty cool. Hey, and that's thanks to all you guys, all the listeners out there. We, yeah, no joke. We, man, we love the listeners. We really do. Ethan and I talk all the time, and we interact with you all week, and uh, we, we're always trying to make the show better, and we're thinking about our listeners. Yeah. Having said that, we got a really cool thing called Patreon. You're going to hear about it later. Uh, it's a way for you to give back to the show if you dig the show. It's it's sort of a, it's, it's a, uh, it's a little more intense way of saying thank you than yeah. leaving a positive iTunes review. Exactly. Um, and every week, we like to acknowledge our new patrons. Now, one of them is our friend Meg Clay who I got to hang out with uh, when I played in New York or New Jersey, somewhere up there, right. where, where she lives. And uh, she actually increased her pledge this oh, month. Oh, so sweet. Thank you, man. She wrote a really sweet email that we're going to get to in a second. The other one, though, I get a little buzz, buzz, buzz on my phone. New patron, it's my stepdad, Gary Watkins. <laughs> yeah, Gary. What's up, Gary? And then I get another buzz, buzz on my phone, and, oh, you have a new t-shirt order, and it's my mom. <laughs> I love it. So I immediately text my mom. I was in bed. I said, Mom. You don't have to buy a shirt. I'll send you one. I know, I know. And you know, like all great moms, she's like, we want to, we love you. We want to support you, We honey. love the show. And Yeah. I'm like, mom, first of mom, all. Mom, you're embarrassing me. First of all, thank you. Second of all, don't listen to my Metallica podcast. Mom, mom, when you listen to my podcast, it's the struggle within. Leave me alone. Man, I, I have been really lucky. My mom and my, he's been married to my mom for a long time now. I think over 10 years, like. They're real supportive, real cool, awesome. real cool parents. And from a very young age, I sort of split and I've kind of done my own thing for quite a long time. Sure, yeah. And uh, they never really gave me a lot of grief about that, whether it was making music or I got married really young or I, b- I bought my first house really young. Right. In Nashville and all this. They were always real, real cool and still to this day are very cool. So Did your first podcast really young? Yeah, 30, 33. Yeah. <laughs> I was 30. So those are our new patrons. So thank you to our new patrons. Thank you, Meg Clay and Gary Watkins. <laughs> Randy, Gary Watkins. That boy, good. Uh, We're on the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Just search Metal Up Your Podcast. You're going to find us if you're not following us already. You should, however, at the very least, I would say go to Instagram. We're the most active on there. We interact. Well, I, uh, Clint's very active uh, with you guys on, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we're always doing like uh, Instagram Live stuff, random videos, whatever name it we usually do it on there so follow us on those things um that's all i gotta say about that the best way to get a hold of us is middle up your podcast show at gmail.com you can also go to middle up your podcast.com the website and click the link there to email us look at all cool kinds of shit um that's all we got what are we gonna do next uh well we're gonna read five emails love it let's do it All right, our first email is from Alex Van Dyke, Dick Dyke, D Y C K. I'm gonna I'm gonna just, say we just knock all of them out. Just to be nice, I'm gonna say Dyke. Dyke. <laughs> Andrew Van Dyke, like Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> that was a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like Deke too. That's a good one. Yeah. Anyways, he says, "Hey, Clinton Ethan, just wanted to say thank you guys for creating Metal Up Your Podcast. I found the show on the Metallica forum a couple months ago. I've been in- inactive there for a while and stumbled across the show while chatting." Uh, about the then upcoming 598 EP re-release and tickets going on sale for the U.S. Uh, winter tour. I've always been passionate about the band, but following your podcast each week has reignited that flame. And for that, I thank you. 
Rock on, guys. Alex Van Deek Dyke Dick. Sub- suburbs of Atlanta. Nice. Cool. Which we all know is New Jersey. Well, of course it is. It How is, could it not is be? It. Is it? Uh, Meg Clay, who we just mentioned. Yep. She writes, hey, duders, I've been catching up on episodes I missed because I was out traveling. And although I've always had an idea of how much work and dedication you guys put into the podcast, I really felt a greater appreciation for all the love you give us. Considering I could barely keep up on my listening for listening or Metal Up Your Podcast socials, I don't know how you do it living life on tour and juggling families and other non-Metallica life interests. You guys always take time to show us love and offer up great content. I was on a retreat for another podcast I listened to, uh, the Rich Roll Podcast, which my wife loves that podcast, too. I haven't heard of that one. She said, I had so much fun talking you guys up and sharing favorite episodes and introducing your show and Metallica to newbies. Cool. A lot of people said they hadn't really been interested in Metallica before, but after hearing you guys talk and your humor and the quality, they're going to start listening to the podcast and getting into Metallica. Wow. That's awesome. She said, it was a great feeling to be a little part of that. So I wanted to increase my Patreon contribution because I'm so grateful for all that you do. I experienced a very small amount of the joy I'm sure you both feel often for spreading the Metallica love far and wide. Thanks for everything, guys. You're a crazy fan, Meg, still Megalica inside. Meaning she had to change her name on her socials. Her her socials used to be Megalica. Yeah. And she would often get asked about it, but she she does like artwork and shit and she was like right. starting to like get client interest in some of her art stuff. So she had to be a little more professional. A, l- a little bit. Yeah. But she's still Megalica inside. In our says. hearts. Well, Meg. Baby, you're my Megalica. Megalica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, always good to hear from Meg. Thanks, Meg. Yeah, that was thank really you, sweet. <laughs> I love busting into Aerosmith sometimes, you know? Yeah, it's like our life is like a one long Aeros- like permanent vacation musical. It really is, you know? And sometimes I just got to step back and say, you don't know, get a grip. Girl, before I met you, I was F-I-N-E-5. But your love, it made me a goddamn prisoner. Oh, and my heart... It's been doing time. It's been doing time. What are the visitation hours for your heart? <laughs> uh, 24-7. Mm, be right there. Eight days a week. <laughs> Eight days a week. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we Welcome are to full Aeros- of it tonight. Aerosmith Beatles podcast. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next email, Darren Edwards. He says, this week's show, fucking love it. Possibly my favorite show so far. Wow. Um, speaking of the Paul Moak episode uh, last week, I think of he's course. speaking of this current episode we're doing right now. I think you're right. He might be, actually. I mean, this is my favorite one. Um, I'm both a music and Metallica nerd and was just hanging on your every word. However, like a stone? Not sure there. He's talking about our Sweet 16. Um, love that song, love that band, and love Cornell, but I really enjoyed how you guys got to the end result. So so Tom Quee, our friend at Alpha Metallica, he texted me uh, this morning, I think, and all the first thing it said was, 99 Problems is better than Like a Stone, by the way. <laughs> by the way. By the way. <laughs> like, it's just a fact. I love that's the first thing you said, because usually said. that should be, you should put by the way after the second thing you say, like, hey, uh, love the episode, 99 Problems is better than Like a Stone, by the way. Yeah, he just said 99 Problems greater than sign Like or, a hey, Stone, Tom, by the way. Or hey, Tom, how about Good Morning? 99 Problems is better than Like a Stone, by the way. I'm Tom Clay. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Hi and hello and welcome. Uh, I'm Tom where Clay. Were we? uh, okay. Uh, Darren goes on to say, great work with the podcast in general. Uh, but extra, but extra special, uh, great work for this episode. Final question: uh, Lizzie and Joe from the band Hailstorm live in Nashville. Do you guys know each other? Uh, have a good week, and looking forward to next week's show. Cheers, Darren. 
Now, um, I, I don't know them. I'm sure you do. I don't actually. Wow. I don't know Lizzie or Joe. However, I do have one degree separation. A close friend of mine named Angie, who used to be in this really cool all female band in Nashville called the Dead Deads. Oh, I know Angie. You've met Angie. I yeah. met her through you. Yep. Um, Tomachick. Yep, Tomachick on Instagram. She now plays with uh, Raylan Nelson, who was Willie Nelson's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, her and all a lot of her friends are really uh, tight with Lizzie, so might not be uh, too far-fetched of a question to uh, have her on the show. Are they Metallica fans? I, I, if they're not, I mean, she Lizzie Lizzie Hale plays a Explorer. She has her own signature model. Oh, okay, she better be a Metallica. Fan. I know they're all tight with Wagner, with Michael Wagner. Yes, totally. Okay, cool. So I think I, to answer your question, Darren, uh, no, we don't know them. However, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to maybe have them on the show at some point or, or one of them. Well, Darren, I believe also works with Stone Sour. So he's going to talk to one of the Stone Sour oh, guys. Oh, nice. Corey Taylor's side band. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, cool. Thanks, Darren. Colton Brazier says, hello, Clint and Ethan. I hope all's well. Just finished listening to the Rick Rubin episode, and it was quite entertaining. I always love when Paul can join the Metal Up Your Podcast team and add his own flavor to an already great show. I was curious to hear a producer's level of involvement with those aspects of an album. And then he asks, do most bands have material already worked out? If so, do producers tweak the structure of a song often? Anyway, thank you guys again for a consistently great show. It's by far and away my favorite podcast. Mm. Thanks, dude. That's really nice. And so Colton's sweet. a patron. Um, most bands do have the material yeah. worked out. Now, in the case of like, let's go to St. Anger, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there were a lot of riffs recorded, things like that. But, but that that's was, unusual. That was a pretty pieced together record, as you could see in the documentary. Um, most of the time, a band has done their homework done the then the you know the pre-production you call it yeah you get together and you hack out these songs get them the best you can get them before you go in the studio now sometimes you do pre-production in a studio yeah true with the producer with the producer who um, helps you and that that basically means they've got a song but maybe producers say um you should do verse verse chorus solo bridge chorus right or you should you should cut that solo in half or you should do two choruses here exactly yeah. maybe some arrangement right and, you know, it, I guess it depends on the situation, but usually, even if a producer completely rearranges a song, he's not getting writing credit. True, yeah. I will say, too, uh, as an artist, a, a really good feeling is going to the studio with your batch of songs, and the producer doesn't change hardly anything. Right. Because then you know that they're stoked on it. You know, like, for instance, with Paul, like, there really hasn't been hardly anything changed about yeah. what I brought in, it, even lyrically, which that's always my my hope is that he tells me, like, hey, I think you should change this, change that. There hasn't been one lyric change, so I feel good as a songwriter that I came in with a, a good batch of but songs. But you're the kind of dude, and I think I'm similar, because I heard your demos. Right. And your demos sounded good enough to be on a record. Thank you. Every Almost every song I write, I sort of flesh out in demo land, and I put on a SoundCloud, yeah. and it kind of sounds like a record. So if I were to like go to Paul with my 10 favorite songs, I, I, I mean, I would be open for sure, because I respect him so much, but I'm not really looking uh, for rewriting uh, advice. Sure. I'm coming in ready to make it sound great. Exactly. Well, I mean, and I don't think someone like Paul would, would, would straight up be like, Hey, let's rewrite this. He, he's the kind of guy that'd be like, I love that hook. I want to hear it more or right. Right. I want to change one note, you know, things well, like that. Well, what he did today when I played the solo. So Ethan basically had this, a, a, a guitar solo section and I played a solo and then he said, you know what? I love the solo. The solo's done. I want to hear more of that character right yeah so then they just ran the tape and let me kind of play 
play the rest of the song out. Yeah, totally. And it sounds great. So that was kind of, that's an example of yeah. that, I guess. Well, I can't wait for everyone to hear. I know that most of you guys probably don't listen to like reggae and old ska music stuff, but I hope you'll enjoy at least this one song once I release it and dude, featuring me and Clint Wells. Dude, I don't listen to reggae and right. I love your the demos I heard. Cool. Awesome. To me, it feels very much like it's, it's, um, it's an homage and it's legitimate reggae, but it's also got just great sort of modern songwriting into it. That's yeah. I mean, you is know, that fair to say? Like very, I think so. Yeah. Cause you, your punk and, and rock sensibilities, I feel like are in the vocals yeah, and the lyrics. I think so. Well, let's be honest. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not Jamaican. I'm not Rastafarian. Um, I didn't grow. Wait, I didn't. What? Yes. Has see? this whole podcast been a lie? I, I know. Right. I told you. You I are mean, wearing an Hawaiian shirt right now. I am wearing a Hawaiian shirt. That's my new thing, by the way. <laughs> your new thing. It, I don't have many new things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's not many things that happen in my life where I'm like, that's it. I'm doing this from it now on. It sounded sad the way it came out, but I, I don't I, have many new things. No, I totally agree. Like, yeah, what's good and new for me anymore? Well, here's the deal. Like, here's another tangent for you. So let's just make this a tangent episode. Fair enough. Um, the band went to Antarctica. It's historic. Blah, blah, blah. Go look it up. Freeze yourself. them all. Freeze them all. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. blah, blah anyway, here we go. Back to Hawaiian uh, shirts. No. <laughs> no. So in general, like I pretty much wear this. I've worn the same stuff for years. Like yeah. the only difference in my clothing is like in the summertime, I wear shorts a lot more. In the wintertime, I wear pants a lot more. Yeah. So my friend was having a, a luau on Memorial Day weekend. So my wife and I ordered was some. Was your friend James Hetfield? His name is James Jimmy Jam Hetfield Jr. Senior Esquire. And my wife orders a couple just like just like cheap and expensive Hawaiian shirts. Just so you could be festive and have fun. Totally. Almost ironic. A little bit. Just to, you know, be a team player. I put that thing on. <laughs> <laughs> and you were transported immediately to a luau. Oh my gosh. Dude. Gunka, gunka, gunka. No, 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 no. Honestly, no joke. I put it on. I looked at my wife and I go, This is my new thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I go, I think I'm going to be a Hawaiian shirt guy now. She goes, seriously? <laughs> I go, yep. Oh I go, when I, when I go on tour, I'm going to go to thrift stores and look for Hawaiian shirts. Oh, my God. Yeah, you really have turned it into a thing. I'm already at three now. I have three Hawaiian shirts now. <laughs> a great quote by one of Paul's other assistants here at the studio. He bought his first one the other day because we just for fun because <laughs> I brought my new thing to the studio. <laughs> we decided one day instead of going out to lunch, we we're going to grill out behind the studio. I said, dudes, let's make it Hawaiian shirt day. Yeah. It'd be so fun. Good call. Yeah. So Brendan, one of Paul's assistants, didn't have a Hawaiian shirt. Went down to Walmart down the street. They have a little Hawaiian shirt section for summertime. He bought one and said the best quote I've ever heard. I go, I go how do you feel in your Hawaiian shirt? I'm already laughing. Sorry. <laughs> he, goes, he, he goes, man, I put that thing on. He goes, and realize I've been uncomfortable my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It, now the next step, I was think, he kidding? No, he, he, he was like, dude, it really <laughs> like is a single silver tear slid yeah, down his face and mine. <laughs> now, my only hope is that in the old Met store, they maybe do a Metallica Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, with like scary guy on it or something, or like to- a big, yeah, like a, a puss head, oh, or wow. like a palm tree and the palms are scary guy. Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. Or a palm tree and the leaves make like a no leaf clover. Ooh, or or an M or something, whatever, <laughs> or an A or a T. Dude, they got a volcano in the background that's like kind of like the M and shooting out lava. Wow. Shooting out blood and semen. A crab walking on the beach. A crab walking a, wearing, on the beach. Wearing a, wearing a crab-sized wine shirt. Perfect. 
Anyways, all that to say, our next email. Man, where were we on all this? I know where we're at. We're on the last one. Okay. It's our last right. email. Last emails are from uh, friend Alex Finney, a uh, good old friend I, I got to hang out with in um, Champaign, Illinois. And he is a patron of the show. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. Uh, he says, uh, hello, dudes. All praises to you guys and the uh, effer- effervent. Oh, I can never say this word. Effer- Effervescing. Oh, my God. Effervescing. Um, evanescing. Evanescencing. Evanescence. Uh, joy created by your show. Yeah, you are familiar with uh, my friend of misery and Alice. Rise uh, are in part James writing about his good friend Lars. What if short a straw was actually James, tongue and che- tongue and firmly in cheek, uh, initially writing about Jason? Certainly, a selective reading of the lyrics could be seen. It uh, could be seen that way. Then again, I am flat on my back and <laughs> on painkillers for a back surgery. So boredom and mind-altering substances and active imagination do funny things. Keep up the capital work, gents. Well, Alex, first of all, I hope you uh, recover well and hope you get out of that pain and, and I hope you heal. I hope you get out of the pain and keep the painkillers. Keep those painkillers, man, because when you want to get some, some deep conspiracy theory uh, interpretations of Metallica songs about how the shortest straw was about Jason, yeah, the painkillers come in handy. What if it was about Kirk and getting the worst card in the deck on the bus? Ooh. Don't do it. Sorry. Do you? So this new Hawaiian shirt I got is one <laughs> of my favorites. Ka, 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 ka. Ka. <laughs> I should have brought my lap steel tonight. Hey, you know what? We love hearing from you guys. So if you want to write into us, it's that easy. We might read your thing on the show, Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the email corner. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month so go check it out thanks everyone peace adios oh you know what i watched the other night because i I was feeling sad (laughs) i don't want to get too blue here i was feeling sad which happens to me um periodically and uh i don't do drugs and i'm trying to be a healthy responsible person so my medicine was i rented for 5.99 off amazon nhd so I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, man. Which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's been a while since I've seen it, but that's a classic Mike <clears throat> Myers movie. And I just, I miss like Mike Myers one-offs. Uh-huh. He did the Shrek thing forever. Awesome he did Powers. Awesome Powers for goddamn ever. I just miss when he just made like one-off comedies. Yeah. And I feel like everything now a days is like reboots, spinoffs, sequels, prequels. Yeah. So Remember Next Murder is just someone wrote a story and it's funny. Yeah. And he's great in it. He's yeah, he's so good. If you haven't seen that movie, you should definitely check it out. It's awesome. Did you have you seen this that they are doing a Coming to America sequel? 
No. And Eddie Murphy's writing it. Are you kidding? No. Is Arsenio Hall in it? Uh, he has not yet been attached to the project. He's, but of course he's going to. Why would Arsenio Hall not do it? I, I would, I would, I would venture to say this: if Arsenio's not in it, I don't want to see it. He's an integral part of that movie. Absolutely, he played like eighteen characters in it. Yes. Oh my gosh! You and I opening night, Metal Podcast live episode, live episode from at the rave, <laughs> live episode at Opera Mills Mall at the movie theater. Clint and Ethan are going to be interviewing the other four people in line to see Coming to America 2. We're going to put on our best Hawaiian outfit. And we're going to see Coming to America 2. What could Uh, it be? 1988. It's been 20 years. 30 years. 30 years. I'm not good at Coming back to America. Coming to America again. What if he's like the CEO of McDowell's now? (gasps) That is a great premise. He worked his way up, just like that guy said. Well, he didn't have to. He he, He went back to Africa... With the girl from well, the New very York. end of the movie, he says, "You want to give all this up and and go back to Queens?" And she goes, "Nah, nah, I want to be a rich ass princess, motherfucker." She totally like it's the cheesiest, nah, dude. What if it's like a Rocky Five thing? They lose it all, lose it all, and he has to go back. Semi, maybe semi actually. <laughs> yes, I'm in. Semi, we're writing this movie right now, Eddie. If you're listening. Semi does what what Uncle Polly does in Rocky Five, and he like thinks he's making a good investment for Eddie Murphy. What's his name? Uh, Hakeem. Hakeem. Come on. Uh, sorry, Zamunda. I blanked. I blanked. Zamunda. I remember Semi. Uh, semi. Um, semi. Uh, and he thinks he's making a good investment for Hakeem, and things go awry. Uh, all of a sudden, they can't afford someone to wash the royal penis. All these things. Well, James Earl Jones dies in The Lion King. Mufasa, right? right? Yeah. Remember Scar? Pushes him into the hyena, yeah, uh, the hyena riot. It's awful. So now, the, now Hakeem he becomes the king, but Zamunda falls on hard times. Zamunda gets absorbed into Congo, yeah, or whatever, <laughs> or whatever. And yeah, he's got to come back, and now he's got to run McDowell's. He has to run McDowell's, and uh, but McDonald's has sued McDowell's. They're in a big lawsuit right now. Big law. They're embroiled in a bitter lawsuit, as we remember oh. from 1988. Oh yeah. And poor Sammy has to get side work working for Soul Glow. Okay. Because Daryl, and Daryl, who is the heir to Soul Glow, yeah. is now, now Soul Glow is taken off. Soul Glow branched out in, Soul, Soul Glow, Soul Glow was a very niche market, right? Yeah. The Jerry Curl type market. Just let your Soul Glow. Soul Glow. Reach out into just other beauty products and had a really good 30 years. And now oh, Daryl yeah. is the embittered, Mr. Burns type CEO. Oh, yeah. He's got shampoos now. He's got soaps, lotions, you, you name it. And now Soul Hakeem has come saying, Daryl, please give Simi a job. He needs something. He's contribute here. He's the reason I lost everything. And Daryl's going, <laughs> I've been waiting 30 goddamn years. <laughs> it's going right. to be a good movie. If uh, Alan Sorkin or any of anyone out in LA is hearing this, you can reach us at Metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. Yeah. We will sell you our, our treatment. one 900 we'll, we'll write the shit out of your movie. <laughs> okay. Wow. That was fun. Freeze them all. Freeze them all. December 8th, 2013. This happened at the uh, Mount Ortilius Base Camp. Is that right? Or might Could these notes be correct? Is that right? The South Shetland Islands of Antarctica. Yeah. It's down there. It's pretty far down there. Yeah, it's it's you're 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 in South Pole territory at that point. It's it's fairly well, I would say fairly. It's predominantly uninhabited. Now, for those of you who aren't really sure what this is, 
you can watch this whole thing if you're it's fifth member exclusive. But to become a fifth member is free. So you go to Metallica.com. Too much. Sign up. To, <laughs> it, totally in this fucking culture. Oh, I, I have to go. I have to go to a website and sign up. <laughs> Hang on. Wait a second. I have to put in another username. And a password? That, I'm not comfortable doing that. Bullshit. That's, that, that sounds expensive. So you can go to Metallica.com, fifth member. You can go find it. It's a fifth member exclusive. The, the little blurb says, and I believe it's Lars, he says, we found ourselves playing a gig for a dozen friends, fans, and penguins at the Carlini Base. The gig capped off a year where we were fortunate enough to set foot in and perform on all seven continents during a 12-month period. So, First band to ever do that. First, I think, the, and still the only band to ever do it. That was five years ago. I mean, I'm sure most, there's probably a lot of bands out there that watch that were like, hey, I'm going to call my manager. We got to do that too. And then the manager watched the thing and was like, no, you're no, not doing that. Even Metallica, the biggest band in the world, they played in a tiny little dome for like- They played in a bubble for, for like 12 50 people. people and yeah. stuff. So I'm going to kind of break down how, they, how that works. Lars describes it in a press conference. So in 2013, they did Australia in February, Africa in April, North America in June, Europe in July- Asia in August and Latin America in September, and then this, of course, being number uh, seven. Number seven, yeah. And it's a great idea. Like, I wonder. It doesn't seem like a James idea. It seems like management or Lars were like, you know, what we should do, dude, dude. We should turn it into this. You know, we should make a whole thing yeah. out of it because they released. They did release it as a live record where they did sell it for a minute. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they got in the Guinness Book of World Records and all that stuff. Mm -hmm, yeah. So someone had the big idea. I wonder who it was. I'm though. sure when, whoever had the initial idea probably told the people, uh, the other guys in the band, it was kind of like, got the, you know, the, the head turned a little bit like, hmm, that could be cool. That's something. Was like, he smoking like a pipe? Like a oh, big... for sure. Well, he probably, you know, it was probably Torben's idea. Torben like, had a pipe like, and he had a monocle. Listen, I, 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 I ventured down there on my carpet, hovered down there, and the cold does not affect me. Down there. <laughs> I'm immune to it. <laughs> I haven't been cold in 35 years. My beard keeps me so warm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell Lars about this place. It's so magical I, and silent, and the penguins are just adorable. I get to see a bit, so it's a bit chilly, and I warm myself with my beard, with Merlin, my Merlin's beard. And I pulled the sword from the stone. I brought my staff down there, and I was able to catch fish and feed the penguins. With this. <laughs> I hope one day I can do that for like five minutes straight without laughing. In the early 90s, I befriended Danny DeVito, who played the penguin in Batman Returns. I think he's my favorite penguin of all the penguins. Also, Burgess Meredith from the original Batman's uh, TV series in the 60s, who's also Mickey from Rocky. He's yeah. also a great penguin. Yeah. Did you know that? That... The guy who plays Mickey and Rocky was the original Penguin in the Adam West series. I did not know that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Super cool. Two worlds colliding. Now, the cool thing that you can also see on Metallica.com with the fifth member exclusive stuff is Adam Dubin, who did the Year and a Half in the Life documentary that we've done two episodes on. You, yep. can, go, you can go find that on the internet somewhere. Uh, he made a little mini documentary. Now, you saw a different documentary today yeah, okay. that was made by Coca-Cola, who sponsored the whole thing. Yeah, so Coca-Cola or Coke Zero sponsored the whole thing. Which was nothing more metal than that, by the way. Oh, Coke Zero is the metalist. Good night, Gar Dark Continent. We are Cattle Decapitation, brought to you by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Coca We're going to get fucked up backstage on caffeine. <laughs> 
Um, when I'm decapitating cattle, I get thirsty. You know what quenches that evil, demonic, satanic thirst? Coca-Cola. It really does. I was thirsty, and then Coca-Cola happened. When I got a bunch of chicks waiting for me backstage, you know what I like to do with all them? I got to like to get naked and drink Coca-Cola. <laughs> when we're lighting our farts and our butts on fire, we get parched. <laughs> We get parched as fuck. And the only thing that can save us from the arid bowels of Satan's dry-mouthedness, cotton mouth, <laughs> Coke Classic. Coca-Cola Classic. All right. So they made a documentary, Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes, they did. So there's one you can find on YouTube. Um, unfortunately, it went, uh, so a lot of the fans that got to be there, uh, a lot of them were from South America. So the boat that takes all the gear and a lot of the crew and these fans... I believe leaves from Chile, Chile, Ch- Chile, um, and it's a week long boat. It's a week long boat ride. But anyways, when there's uh, footage of uh, different people from other countries speaking to each other and they're filming them, there's no subtitles. So unless you speak like Portuguese, Spanish, something, you won't understand it. However, it's still very entertaining. It's like 54 minutes long, and it's all the things leading up to the production of this and. Uh, uh, how they tested all the gear before putting it in that kind of cold. It's really fascinating. So well, watch both of them. I was actually going to say, we'll talk about that later, but let's just do that. We have a lot of experience. You, Both of us as performers and artists, <clears throat> you also on the tech side. Yeah. And James actually, I think, does a really noble job throughout the documentary that I saw, the Adam Dubin one, and also during the show, of giving a lot of props to the crew for, mm-hmm. for kind of making the show possible. Yeah. So. I mean, so let's just sort of explore that for people who may not know what what goes into the logistics of any show, really. Any show, let alone Antarctica. Dude, dude we <laughs> I don't even own a gun rack, let alone mini guns that would necessitate owning a rack. <laughs> Stacy. What's that movie? Wayne's World. Okay, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a gun rack. <laughs> so you're saying you don't like it. <laughs> um, you know, one day, Wayne, if you're not careful, you're going to lose me. I lost you six months ago. We've been broken up for six months. Get the net. <laughs> like even just the other day, we played a show where the load the load in was like the steepest hill I've ever seen in the world. And one of our crew guys was like, "Dude, the the push the push out." He called it or the whatever. Push out, load out. He called it something different. He's like, "The push on the way out is going to be brutal." I didn't even think about that. Like they basically had to push all the gear back up this hill, right? Yeah, and they we had like local hands and stuff. But for the project, like so, that metal for for metal for Lars to sit in an office with Peter Minch with Q Prime, right, yeah. and say, "Dude, we should do the Antarctica show." To get to get that the logistics of getting from A to B on that in yeah. terms of gear and the crew, flights, the boat, yeah, is well, unbelievable. Well, so uh, in the documentary, the uh, the fifty five minute one that I watched. Um, I watched, their, a, I watched a longer with you. I, I, it was I way long. I have more knowledge about up, this episode. You can leave. <laughs> um, so all the all the gear that they were using for the show all got sent to um, Chile. Okay. Um, like airships? Yeah. So like, there's a company called Rocket Cargo. They will basically ship your gear around the world wherever you want. And is that where? Because I think we're about to. I don't know if I've told you this, but we're gonna go. To, we're going to Germany to do some gigs. Nice. Uh, in two weeks. I'm not looking forward to it. I love Germany and no, I love German No, hang on. Are we going to have to do a remote episode where you're in Europe and I'm not? I hope we can. Wow. We're going to be there for like six days. Well, then, yeah. It sounds like we're probably going to have to. 
Now, what they're saying, they're doing this thing called Carnet, where I, and you have more experience with uh, international travel at that level, where I think what they do is it's a big pallet. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, the, ship, the Rocket like, Cargo will do that. Yeah, so a lot of times, so let's say uh, when I work for Kings Leon, for instance, uh, if we were uh, shipping a ton of stuff to Europe to start a tour or whatever, um, Rocket Cargo sends uh, basically like a box truck, sometimes even a full semi-truck, depending on how much gear we were loading. Um, all that gear gets put in a truck, and then that guy basically drives. But to how the, is it? How is it packaged on the plane? So, well, sometimes it's not a plane. We've sent stuff by boat. Oh, okay. It, on on like okay, I got you. It, it, like on a big freight, you and, know? and so it is like in a pallet. Then it's all wrapped it's, it's up. In tight. A, it's in a um in a uh, uh, or like a shipping container. shipping container. Yeah. So when when that truck arrives on the coast somewhere, it's usually like Georgia, Carolinas, up to New York, even. All that gear will get put onto a shipping container. Sometimes it it can be on pallets if it's not a lot of gear. But mm-hmm. It'll be in a shipping container, and either all that goes onto a plane, or if you're not gonna like, we would ship stuff sometimes two months in advance because we don't need the stuff here. Let's ship it over there for the tour in a couple of months. It would literally be on a boat just cruising across the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. Like there was points where even when I was just the gear at a luau, the gear is having a luau underneath the ship. It's beautiful pig roast happening down there. Vegan pig. But there was times, like, even when I was still playing with Kings, like, playing and teching for myself, that, you know, a friend would come over and be like, oh, hey, where's your whatever guitar? I want to check it out. I'm like, oh, it's actually in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean right now. It was just such a weird thought. So they had it sent to Chile, however, yeah, however they probably did Probably rocket cargo, let's say. Um, it all goes down there, and that's where this uh, ship was docked that took the fans. Um, I don't know if any Metallica crew was there. Okay. They probably packed all up. Well, someone had to intercept the gear, right? I mean, yeah, someone... Yeah, but, but the, the, like with Kings, like we would send stuff off and there's there's representatives from Rocket Cargo all over the world. But store it or something. Store it, are there to receive it, make sure it gets from this uh, ship to this airplane, right, to this truck. right, because the crew usually travels together with the band, usually. Yeah, usually. In most situations. Yeah, maybe, so, maybe not Metallica. Yeah, Metallica but. flew to Antarctica. For, well, they, they actually flew to South America first. They flew to Chile. Okay. To, and then from there, they, there's like one, one, literally one runway in all of Antarctica, and I don't even think it's technically like an actual airport. It's just a landing strip, and they landed there. So all their gear gets sent there. Their crew probably packed it all up in San Francisco at HQ, Truck picked it up, blah blah blah. Gets to down to Chile. Now, in the in the documentary I watched, it shows them like the, these dudes in Chile. I mean, it's like one case at a time, and it's not like a thing where they're just going down a ramp and do a semi truck. It's a ship. Hmm. So there's this big opening in the middle of it, the, the op- uh, door, whatever open, and a big opening that opens. A big opening that opens, probably by door. Yeah. Um, but they're just literally one case at a, a time, just lowering it down there, and there's people down there just moving it, moving it, and there was. Tons of cases, and what was interesting was they actually in that thing I watched it was saying that they uh, obviously no PA, no lights, any of that stuff. As far as band gear goes, they scaled back like I think it was it's like pretty minimal for them. Yeah, they I think they said they scaled back all their production and gear by like eighty percent or something. Well, if you guys haven't seen this, I mean they're in a tiny dome. Uh, I, I don't know what the actual head count is, but there's less. It's less than a hundred people, right? I'd say it's maybe fifty people, and it's probably everyone in Antarctica. I mean, because well, it's the it's the um, the contest winners, right? Con- I think they said are around twenty. And then there's also I read there like actual like climate scientists. Sci- sci- I almost said Scientologists. Climate, climate Scientologists, cl- which that doesn't exist. They were there to climate uh, scientists who do live there who do research like right, on yeah. climate. 
they're like, well, we're not doing anything. We live in Antarctica. I guess oh, we're so going. Metallica. Oh, Metallica's playing, playing here? down the down the iceberg. Down, down the iceberg. <laughs> um, yeah, just go down. Go down three icebergs. Make a left and make a left the at the iceberg. iceberg. <laughs> make a left at the penguin. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't even have amps. One of the coolest things yeah, about this so show cool. is they did it uh, silent disco style. Now, when I first learned what a silent disco was, I think I, you know, some some rock clubs. I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, where as soon as you play your last note. And you're loading out. Yep. The rock club turns into a dance club. We call it disco loadout. Like horrifically. Yep. And, and I'm talking in no time. Because first you're like, where did all these hot chicks come from? Are, is our band famous now? You're like, oh no no no, this rock club turns into a discotheque. Oh yeah. Pronto. Yeah. That's when you usually have a bit of an earlier show. You're done by like ten thirty, yeah, and then totally. by eleven, it's like mm, you're like pushing mm, your amp mm, through like yeah the 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 terrible hot chick and people covered in glitter and shit, all that yeah. glow sticks and all this. Well, the first time I ever encountered, I think I was one of these situations. Now, at Silent Disco is when the DJ is playing music, but you have to have headphones on to hear it. And not only that, the one I went to, it was two or three DJs, and you could change a channel. You could change the channel to whatever music you want to listen to. Now, you take the headphones off, you can hear a pin drop. All you hear is people's feet going, and you hear just sort floor. of breathing and sweating and shitting. Yeah, lots of shitting for sure. Depending it's on mostly what, shitting. I think depending on how much e you took. And Lars talks about how his son Miles had gone to one of these in San Francisco yeah. and, and told him about it. And he was like, I guess, you know, Lars, like, sparks fly and he's a big idea guy. So he's like, holy shit, that'd be a cool way to do this Antarctica show. Well, and well, I know that when they were, like, working on all the logistics for the show, there's there's precautions you have to take for the ecosystem of Antarctica. Hmm. Because other than, like, now the thing I watched, there's actually, they, they showed clips of, like... Um, no pyro. Yeah, no pyro. You might burn no the whole pyro. continent down. Exactly. It'll melt the entire it continent. It melted. Well, how come? Metallica well, used pyro. They play this song called, called Fuel, and <laughs> Matt Thomas was there, and he melted the whole goddamn continent. Yeah, Matt Thomas was there, and he, he lit it, and he, he actually shot the fire at the ice and the penguins. They all ate penguin that night. It was pretty good, actually, but, but now there are no more penguins. <laughs> it's a little gamey. <laughs> little penguiny. Um, so, uh, oh, so the ecosystem there because back to the ecosystem. This is now a science podcast because that continent is ninety nine point nine 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 whatever untouched. Right. It's literally just how Earth is untouched by man, other than this one little area where there's like research happening, and there's just trailers, what look like trailers, like portable buildings or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they showed a couple of clips of those. So I think there's, if I had to guess, they didn't say it in the documentary, but let's say there's 15 people there at a time. That's it. Yeah. There's nothing but ocean and ice and right. penguins. It is kind of cool. It's like the earth is like, cause you know, we, you and I know this, we're sort of destroying the earth. That's what we do. Sort of. <laughs> and if we're going to like really. So do you. If our species is going to live on, we kind of, we either we have to really get shit right here or we have to kind of find a way out of here. To Antarctica. And I do love how Antarctica's like, we're just going to make it impossible for you to fuck this up. Yeah. Antarctica's basically like, we're cool. Um, come live here and stand outside for 12 hours and we will kill you. You'll die doing that. Oh, actually, come here in winter and stand outside for 12 seconds and you'll die. It's like being in space. Dude, so uh, in the thing I watched, they were talking about like the nicest it gets there weather-wise is still like negative four or five degrees. Right. It's inhabitable. Without wind chill. It's inhabitable, inhabitable. essentially. Plenty of water to drink. Lots of great salt salt water. 
Oh, I mean, you just take a little little chunk of iceberg off and go in your little hut and melt it, and you got some water. They're actually in the documentary I watched. It's becoming oh. the tale of two documentaries. Um, two docks colliding. <laughs> Kirk actually does take a piece of ice. Like He's getting off this boat, and he's like, that was great. I had a good time. I got my block of ice. I'm like, What are you going to do with that, Kirk? Uh, he probably had the most bitchin' cooler on that private jet and took it back to... You know Metallica sells like a $500 cooler now, like a Yeti cooler. Really? Yeah. It's $500. Um, Guess who's so not So if you want to increase your patron Patreon pledge... Totally. <laughs> Thank you, Meg, for... Uh, yeah, thanks, Meg, for the yet. cooler. It's right in between us right now. So, yeah, I mean, this is interesting. So they played in this little dome where I guess... It was covered. Yeah, so it looks like a big jungle gym, like the old 80s. Right. Or if you know Suicidal Tendencies, the, the cover of their first record where they're hanging upside down. I don't know if you know this. I don't. It's it, it, it's an old school, like kind of 70s, 80s jungle gym. And it looks like that. And they all these engineers developed that in Chile. And then it's like covered in like, you know, clear plastic or whatever to protect them from wind and the cold and stuff like that. Now but it's, it's still cold in there. Still freezing cold. Everyone's still bundled up. As the show goes on, as we all know, you get hot when you're active in playing. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm a Hawaiian they, shirt, damn it. They do do a press conference where, where uh, James says something funny. Uh, they ask, like, what do you what do you expect, you know, from the show? And James, talking about it being a silent disco type show, he says, uh, it'll be interesting if you take your headphones off, it'll be a one hour drum solo. Yeah. To which Lars says, it's about time. It's about time. <laughs> what I thought was interesting was, okay, I, they, they must have... Uh, maybe with scientists figured out like, okay, what is the decibel limit to where it would affect the ecosystem? Cause you got to think about it here, there. It's like, okay, could, if they had a PA, let's say mm-hmm. with subwoofers and all this stuff, even a modest one, could that kind of output and volume crack ice in those conditions? Maybe that's probably I haven't wh- thought about that. I think that's why they did it. I, I had assumed not maybe incorrectly that, that had the silent disco aspect of it had more to do with keeping with keeping them from having to bring a ton of gear. They're well, like, oh, we won't need a PA, we won't need amps. Well, in the documentary I watched, crap. No, I, I'm being serious. They really they they talked. Uh, so it is kind of like a. Um, it was it was like a precaution. Well, because you know James actually in the one I saw. Okay. He is he does talk quite a bit about. Um, preservation, right? Yeah, trying to draw some awareness. I didn't know Antarctica was in danger. No, other than I, the I melting, I don't think it's in danger. I think it's 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 so pure down there, right? That it's a matter of keeping it as it is, keeping it. I mean, it's basically just old school Earth. Yeah, like that. That place has always been that way. Man has not tarnished it. Man hasn't built a city there. Right. You know what I mean. No one's drawn a pentagram in the snow yet. Oh, I'm sure Kirk did. Kirk, Dude. Kirk probably peed one in the snow. Dude, check this out. Speaking of tangent, let's just make it a tangent episode. Why not? Th- hey. This is interesting. Tangent them all. A few weeks ago at Bus Call, there's a liquor store right by Bus Call in Cool Springs, uh, south of Nashville. Me and my friend Derek, the other guitar player, went in there, and the, the, the chick behind the counter goes, from across the room goes, whoa. You look evil to me. To you. Were you I, wearing your battle vest? No. I'm wearing a denim jacket. My denim jacket has a Marilyn Manson button, a Freddy Krueger button, and on the back, the four members of KISS. Right. Otherwise, I just look like a normal 
But you were far enough away where she couldn't see her Marilyn Manson button or something. No, she was like, you look evil. And I, I just, I didn't even know what to say to that. You should have said, oh, thanks. Well, I was just like, that's a really weird thing to say to somebody. Number two, to follow that up. Today at our show, we did a very intimate show for our fan. We did a fan club show today. Yeah. Much like Freeze Mall, you might say. Okay. Probably about 100 people in this room. And uh, my boss, Rodney Atkins, and his wife, Rose, uh, Rodney was like taking a swig of water. And she was, Rose is pretty funny. And she was like, uh, we'll, we'll open up the floor for questions for Clint right now. No. But she was joking. Okay. Because she's my friend and she's like my writing buddy. And one of the fans goes, oh, I have a question. This is after like eight songs. She goes, I was going to ask you if you've been asleep this whole time. To me. To you? Did yeah. you look that bored? Uh, I looked just normal, just the same way I didn't look evil. I and had I, that happen to me too recently where someone I, said like, oh, you actually smiled tonight for the first time on well, tour. I'm like, uh, okay. She was like, I was going to ask if you were alive. I was like, well, <clears throat> I said this on the mic. I said, well, I have been playing a concert for you for an hour. You know, like, yeah. hello, McFly. Hello. McFly. <laughs> but I just thought, what a straight, this woman called me evil. This woman thought I was dead. What do I have to do for these people? Do they want me coming in like fucking Diamond Dave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm half a teacher. <laughs> well, I'm Clint Wells. <laughs> Check out my acoustic guitar. <laughs> One of the interesting things, too, in the doc, in the, uh, not the documentary, in the, well, it is the documentary, but the press conference is they're asking them, like, what are your plans for next year? This is 2013. Right, man. And they talk about making a record in 2014. I know. It's so cool. Which I guess they started it. It was a two-year process, right? To oh, make hardwired. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for, I mean, well, I mean, between I mean, writing pre-production, like we talked about earlier, yeah, to the actual sitting down with Fiddleman and they really record. took their time, and I'm grateful for it because it's a kick-ass record. Yeah, it is a good record. Have you heard Hardwired yet, folks? I hope so. What if there's one listener we have that's like, I haven't listened to it yet. Sorry. Someone tweeted at us the other day or today or something. They were like, they haven't put out anything good since '91. Like, God. Oh my gosh. I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to fucking hear it. You know what? That was so long to ago. To that person, whoever they whoever they are, you know what? Your loss. It really is your their loss. loss. I would honestly, I swear to God, I would say this. If you were like, I've never heard St. Anger. I heard it sucks and I never want to hear it. That would be your loss too. Sure. At least make a make a judgment for yourself. Listen well, to you, it and be like, me, you know what? Right. I thought I, I, I thought I would hate this and I do. Or you know right. what? I'm kind of surprised by this song or this song. Exactly. That's what you're, you're you're missing out on your own opportunity to know yourself. Yeah. To know really what you like and don't to like. To be yourself. I'm good enough. I'm smart, smart enough. enough. And doggone, doggone it. it. James Hetfield likes me. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Towell likes me. Oh my God. Gene Froman sent me a thing the other day. You know, Phil made a record. What? He made a record. Is it like spoken word or something? I haven't heard it yet, but like. We got to find it. One of the songs iTunes? is called I'm an Athlete. I'm an athlete. <laughs> yeah. That must have been after he, after he worked with the Kansas City Chiefs. Please tell me there's a song called Zone It. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't remember that from the track listing. Oh, man. Well, all right. Uh, okay, so there's some good footage of them sort of hanging out in Antarctica in this documentary. It's nice over there, but it does look very cold, dude. When they first get in the, the globe thing, mm-hmm. I guess they haven't put the plastic up yet, and they're just sort of sound checking. Yeah. Kirk is completely covered. Oh, yeah. Well, it looks like he's wearing like a scuba suit, although I know it's not that. And then he's wearing like the Unabomber. 
hat thing. Well, and and I like think a, that was a, it was like a nice day for Antarctica there, and it was still like 10 below zero. But he looks like a, a, a like a creature in a horror movie, which is befitting of him. He was probably stoked. He's like, I'm totally going to dress like a creature in Antarctica. I'm going to dress like the creature from the Black Lagoon today. Dress like the creature from the Antarctic Lagoon. I'm going to see what James says. I do love, man, when they were doing... What's that club show they did with Bob Rock playing bass while they were making St. Anger? They went and played it, uh, the Stone, or not the Stone, but... Um, uh, I mean, I remember they, they did an Oakland Raiders game on a flatbed no, truck with Bob that. Rock. this is them I, playing in a club. Um, Someone will know. I'm it doesn't, blank, it doesn't matter. Right I don't yeah. care. You revoke my members, my fan card or whatever. Your but, free fan card. But for whatever reason, they meet at Kirk's house before they go together. And there's just this huge table with skulls on it. Like 40 skulls, like hominid skulls. And it's just James like, hmm, this is interesting. Kirk? It, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like... Like it's the, maybe that's the first time any of them been to, been to his house. He finally like he's been inviting him for years for a housewarming party. Well, it's like they've known each other for so long, but maybe they haven't been friends in quite a long time. The way the way that goes with bands, or maybe most of the time they hang out. It's at HQ, so it's like, yeah, I don't remember the last time I've been to Kirk's house. Whatever. And he knows Kirk's into horror stuff, but like just to be there and be like, hmm, interesting. This is a lot of hominid yeah. skulls. That's cool. There's a and the thing I watched. There's a, a scene where Hetfield, like Hetfield and their their families with them too, which is cool. Yeah. Um. So Hetfield's wife and one of his kids is there, and Hetfield's like a total tourist. He's got he's all bundled up. And he's got this camera on his neck. Yeah. And he finds like little skulls of maybe it's a doesn't dead, he make a joke about penguin like penguin skull or my whatever. next book is dead things in Antarctica something like that. Yeah. yeah. But he's like he's like literally getting close like photographing these skulls he finds on the on the ground. It's like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. I just thought it was funny. He's just he's in full dad mode and tourist mode. He it, is always in dad mode. Oh yeah. Oh, it was there's amazing. Some good dad shit coming up later during the show. So there, so there's this scene where where one of his sons, uh, what's his name? Um, Whose son? James. I'm oh, blanking. Anyway, I don't know his kid's name. Um, Let's say it's, it's James Jr., of course. Okay, right on. So it, it, the camera guy shows him, and he's like 100 yards away, mm-hmm. like on the ice and snow. And he's like, what's he doing over there? And he goes, he's probably looking for Wi-Fi. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you're such a dad. Totally. Yeah. He makes some pretty good dad jokes. I do like when he James, James is talking about um, just the whole project. And he's like, you know, it was a pretty good idea. You can tell it wasn't his idea. He's like, you know, it is a cool idea, and... uh he talks about how everyone in the dome had the same exact sound. He said yeah. there wasn't a bad spot. Whereas, you know, like yeah. we talked about when we got to see them at the stadiums, closer to Big Mick was better than, you know, moving this way. Oh, you stand 10 feet this way and it's a completely different experience, right? Exactly, right? Yeah. It is a cool idea, like no matter where you were in the tiny dome that was yeah. the size of the room we're in now. Yeah. That is an interesting aspect of it too, because and we'll get into it when we do a track by track, but I mean, the fans are right there in their face. Well, okay, so there, there's... It's one, smaller than a club. Oh, yeah, it's smaller than the club. There's there's one point um, where Lars is talking about... He, he really, I think, drills this in and wants to make this like a focal point of this whole trip and journey and show. Is He doesn't want any separation between them and these fans. Mm. He doesn't want a barricade. He's like, no rope, nothing. I want this to be an experience we all share together. It's not us and them. All of us are experience, experiencing this historic event together. I wonder if there was a vetting process. Like yeah, 
you look dangerous. You're not. We coming. can't have the super super crazy fans. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, their security team traveled with them for sure. Absolutely. Some fucking scary ass penguins down there too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we you and I were talking before we started rolling about that boat ride because there was, a, I guess, a bad storm, right? Yeah. So um, when the boat takes off with all the gear and, and uh, the uh, contest winner, the contest winners, the crew that put the whole the dome stuff together, the camera crew, all that stuff. Which, by the way, they tested out all this gear in a warehouse freezer in Chile. They, they got they got to see de- if the gear could withstand the temperature. Could withstand the temperature. They, well, they got it down. I Interesting. Think they, I think it was below zero. It was about five or six below zero. They had like all they had all the cameras up, and they just they just left them in there turned on, and took off for X amount of hours and came back, and wow, everything was really still working. Smart. Yeah, it was really cool. Wow. Um, so yeah, this boat takes off. Goes basically. It's it's a, it's it takes a week to go from Chile to Antarctica, and all these people are on this three hundred foot boat. So it's not like a cruise ship. Like it's not super big. Well, it showed like they, there was like a dining hall and they had right. like a it's buffet nice. for people. Yeah, it's they not. Had it's not. It's not a. It's, we're not in a castaway situation. No, but Wilson. The, exactly. I'm sorry, Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> but you know there. You know, and there's moments where it shows you know the, the the fans and stuff like on the deck of the ship, even though it's still freezing. They're like taking pictures and stuff. Yeah. But within the first day, there's it forecast for this like 36 hour gnarly storm. And they, I mean, maybe they play it up like it's one of the worst of the year in a world with a gnarly storm. Um, this time it's personal. This time it's personal. This time it's cold as fuck. You think you're a Metallica fan? Try getting double crossed by the Antarctic Sea. Um, one penguin, two moccasins, 13 igloos, one metal band, Marcy Playground. When the penguin takes into his own hands. Um, anyways. The footage they show of this ship, it's like a camera mounted at the top of the ship or something. They're talking about 30-foot swells. Nope. 30 feet. Nope. nope. For 36 hours straight. No, no, no. <laughs> Dude, I told you this before we started recording. There is footage on this documentary of the ship just going up and down and smacking down. And the wave it that pushes out, it gave me anxiety watching it. And I kept thinking to myself, okay. I'm a big Metallica fan. You are. I can confirm that. Uh, I co-host a Metallica podcast. I can also... Well, actually, th- that's speculative, yes. It's speculative, sure. And I thought to myself, even if somebody said, hey, free flight to Chile, free everything, bring a friend. I might, I'd probably bring you. Yeah, well, well probably. Con- Good consider, God. Consider it. <laughs> um, but, I'd, but I'm with you. I'd decline, probably. I was like... I, I don't know if, I don't know yet if I would decline, but I I definitely was sitting there going, it's just the boat thing. Well, here's how it breaks up for me. Calm sea, sure, no, exactly. Here's but, how it would bring up for me. You want to go see Metallica in Antarctica? Like they're going to make history and be the first band to. Well, fuck yeah, of course. All right, cool. Uh, we got to fly to Chile. I'm like, ooh, that's okay. Well, okay, I'm still in. Uh, then we got to get on a kind of a smallish boat. It's it'll be okay, but um, it's a week long boat ride. I'm going. Ooh. You guys are recording it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's gonna so be- okay, so there was there was some uh, bits of footage they showed of some of the passengers in their, their, cor- their quarters. Yeah, there was one guy that was like, it showed him like leaned over this railing, this like green. about to vomit. Yeah, but uh, it showed people in, in like their room or whatever where their beds were, and you could see out. Now, if I was in that room, I might be okay. There's other ones they showed where there's no windows, and you're basically below the ocean. You're like a stowaway. You're a stowaway, Wilson. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my fault. I should have gone to Antarctica. But I, I mean, I don't know what I would do. You know who was going to play that role before Tom Hanks? Uh, Gary Busey. No. Ray Burton. No. Let's keep going though with the guessing. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Wow. Freddie Prince Jr. Arsenio Hall. Semi. Semi. He was going to play it as uh, Semi. Nick Cage was going to do it. Really? Nick Cage, it's, Nick Cage is like Coldplay. It somehow got real cool to diss Nick Cage. And yet, he's one of the best ever. Was. Is. Was. Is? <laughs> what do you mean, is was? He? I watched, okay, do you remember the old Christian movie called Left Behind? Based yes, off the book? I've seen it. With Kirk Cameron? I've seen it. Okay. He plays the pilot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's they, that's some garbage shit. They did a reboot. Guess who's the main star? Nick? Gary Busey. No. Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And it's it's almost like he just forgot how to act. It's pretty bad. I haven't seen that. You should. My guess is he overacts. Maybe so. Because he's probably giving it 100%. That's yeah. why. Now, you want to talk he's about... He's won the like, Oscar for Best Actor, Leaving the, Las Vegas. The Rock. I love, love that movie. Love The Rock. And The Wrestler. He's not in The Wrestler. I said, and The Wrestler. Dwayne Johnson. Oh, The Wrestler. I oh. love the movie The Rock and whatever. Never mind. Bad joke. The Rock with Sean Connery. It's so good. Dude, I give me... I love, that's, that's Michael Bay, right? Like that 90s action Bay? shit? I think so, yeah. Sean Connery. That one's awesome. Love The Rock. Ed Harris. Dude, have you seen the adaptation? I never saw that. Oh my god, Charlie pretty, Kaufman, pretty good. Uh, w- uh, unbelievable. Okay, so how do you think Nicolas Cage would have done on the island with Wilson? I p- people poo poo it. I think he would have been great because most of that movie, there's no dialogue. That's true. It's just one man it's by great. himself. As great as Tom Hanks. Now Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks won Best Actor two years in a row, Forrest Gump, Philadelphia. Both great movies. That's only happened one other time in the history of the Oscars. Yeah. In like the 40s. It was Gary Busey. And it was Gary Busey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For Black Sheep. For Black Sheep and uh, Point Break. <laughs> Specifically the line, Utah, give me two. It's time for lunch. Angelo, it's 1030. Right around that corner, there is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Thank you. Utah, give me two. I was thinking, you know who would love to go hang out in Antarctica? Our friend Paul Paul. He totally would. He, you know, he loves skiing. He loves he loves the wilderness. Loves the wilderness. He, he, he definitely loves penguins. He thinks they're so cute. He, well, he's mystified by them. He's never seen an actual penguin. Right. He's only read stories. He's not sure they actually. Fables. He's not sure if it's fake news or not. That's true. That there indeed are penguins. Correct. But I think he'd be open to the evidence. I wonder what he's up to these days. I think he's writing a lot of poetry. Is he? Yeah. Should we dip in? Let's do it. Let's see what let's see what the poetry corner's doing over here. Welcome to the power 
Dr. Corner, this is Pawpaw. Today I'm going to be reading one of my favorite poems called The Thing That Should Not Be. Messenger of fear and sight, dark deception kills the light. Hybrid children watch the sea, pray for Father Roman Free. Fearless wretch and sanity, he watches lurking beneath the sea. Great old one, forbidden sight, while he searches. Hunter of the shadows is rising. Immortal in madness you dwell. Crawling chaos underground. Cults has summoned twisted sound. Out from the ruins once possessed. Fallen city, living death. Fearless wretch in sanctity. He watches lurking beneath the sea. Timeless sleep has been upset. He awakens. He searches. Hunter of the shadows is rising. Well, immortal in madness you dwell. Not dead with eternal lie, stranger eons death may die. Drain ye of your sanctity, face the thing that should not be. Fearless rich insanity, while he watches lurking beneath the sea. Great old one, forbidden sight, he wakens, hunter of the shadows is rising. Immortal in madness you dwell. Well, thanks for coming down to the Bowitcha Corner. We'll see you next time here. You want to get into a track by track? Let's do a track by track. Track by track. So the boys open up with, inarguably, one of the best openers of all time. Creeping Death. Oh, yeah. And... It's interesting to see a song this big and powerful in such a small crowd, especially on the die part. I mean, oh, totally. Every bit of it, where you know, when James, you sing, you know, but you can still hear it. It's cool because you can still hear everybody like going nuts. Well, Kirk says um, that he immediately knew when they started creeping death when the crowd started to sing that he he said he immediately looked at his tech and said turn everything up in his ears because he yeah. said he couldn't even hear his guitar. Yeah. Now I know me just as a, a wallflower type. I would have been I would have been taking my ear off just to hear Oh for sure. Because all you could hear is just everyone singing and grunting and And Lars. And then the acoustic drums. I'm surprised they didn't use like uh triggers on the drums and have and because you can do this thing on drum kits like for maybe a practice kit or 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 the seek and destroy moment at the show. Those were electronic drums technically. They were still actual drums. But the heads, the cymbals were all quiet. Hmm. If you notice, if you, if you go watch footage of any of the shows on the World Wired Tour, there's no microphones on those drums. They make these heads that are really thick, so when you hit them, it's just like a, there's not much noise to them. So I'm surprised they actually used live drums. Well, this is 2013. I mean, I think ah, uh, that's true. Even though it's only five years, the technology's come a long way since then. I mean, it, they still it, it they had triggers. They had triggers. They have triggers but, since the early '80s, but like, but I'm not even sure they were using Kemper. Oh, well, they were, they were probably using Fractal. Fractal's been around for, for the a while. Amps. They're probably using pods like I do on my demos. But the tone's not great. It's not great. The guitar tone really isn't. This is still this is still in an era where a lot of their live recordings were very dry. And the to vocals me, are very dry and the guitars yes. are very dry. My favorite live Metallica recordings, there's a lot of room happening, yes. whether it's an arena, an amphitheater, a stadium, or a dome in, in Antarctica. It should... It, like you say, there should have been a little sauce on there, a little reverb, some delay, something to. to and who knows? You know, you and I have talked. You and I, have, as musicians who know how to dial in tone, 
I mean, today, even when I played on your record, you kind of had a... Th- you guys were playing through a Supro and uh, what was the other uh, hand? A Super Reverb and a Matchless. A Matchless, which Matchless is basically like a really nice hand-wired yeah. uh, AC30. Well, I, I kind of knew what I... Or I, I knew what I was hoping for, and I know that you like really spacey, ambient stuff, and mm-hmm. so I immediately... Turned on my delay pedal and my reverb pedal and right. kind of cranked both of them and Clint was like, "That's rad." So I don't think we even tweaked it after that. Or maybe you did. You, you maybe you, you turned it up I a little more. Barely or tweaked anything, but but we know how to dial in tone. So yes. I think the temptation is when we hear stuff like this and we've we talked about it in other episodes of like, oh, if they could just do whatever, right? But who knows, man? Maybe I mean maybe that's coming from the boys themselves. Maybe that is an old school Bay Area thrash thing where they're like keep it dry and tight yeah now also too in 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 all the dudes uh, in your monitors it might be might be different in their in their monitors headfield yeah. might have effects out the ass like on his vocals his right. guitar whatever but what comes out on broadcast whether it's a stream thing or something they put on the metallic website later it's usually very dry now now that uh fiddleman has been mixing stuff They've i think it sounds a lot better way better yes if you want to hear an example of that that webster hall show and the the house of van show which they actually put out officially on vinyl too yeah but all the live metallica is yeah. mixed by not greg himself but his team of engineers and the difference is is extreme yes very if much you, so. if you you could go get a live metallica show from like the poor touring me from like 98 and it's fun because those set lists were dope and yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite eras but quality is basically just like a dry ass straight board tape yeah for sure versus now it's multi-tracked and they can actually put compression and eq and reverb that's essentially a mobile studio exactly and now i always prefer like when you know we were we were doing like you know live shit stuff i love those live recordings Mm -hmm. because there is those are multi-tracked they're multi-tracked but there is so much room sound, like the yeah. room, the, the arena they're playing, and there's so much room sound on those recordings. I like that because it sounds more like a true live show. So what Ethan means by that, and we do this at all of our live shows, I'm sure every band you've been with, sure, yeah. too, the, like, you have microphones that face the crowd. Yeah. So it's, it's picking up crowd and PA, yeah. and you mix that in, and that kind of creates a, a roomy yeah, cause if you live have, feel. If, if you have in-ear monitors in, these things are molded to your actual ear canal, and they're basically like earplugs. So if you just have if you just have your straight guitar sound in bass drums vocals, with no effects or no room sound, it doesn't sound good. Most of my mixes are the room mics. Yeah, you should des- describe for our listeners who may not know what it is what it is to get molds. Uh, it's very common here. We all have in ears with molds. Yes. Okay. So, so an audiologist will come over. And- it's very similar to when, when someone gets hearing aids. So you go to an audiologist, you can either go to someone's actual office, or a lot of times you're on the road and they'll come to they'll the come venue. They'll come to the show, yeah. So there's two different, uh, as far as I know, there's two different kinds of technology to mold your ears. The most common classic one is they basically shoot this pink foam into your ear, and it's the weirdest feeling. You're just sitting there, and then there's a girl like in scrubs who's like, all right, here we go, and they squirt it And it, it coagulates kind of in your ear. Yeah, so it, it expands as they right. put it in your ear. Uh, it's similar, to like you know, if you work on your house and you have that that um, kind of tan foam, you, you can squirt in cracks. Caulking, to, not caulking. It's different. It's like an expanding foam. Okay. <laughs> you wanted to go there, didn't you? No, no, no. I didn't. You I know. Talk different. You want to talk about different types types of uh, caulks? No, no, I don't. Okay, we can talk about that's. That'll be our construction. We're going to caulking, yeah, on our on our uh, construction podcast. Yeah, <laughs> construct them all. Construct them all. So uh, yeah, so but when this stuff goes in your ear and expands. It's like kind of cold at first, and all of a sudden you have zero hearing in that ear. Yeah, my audiologist was like talking to me during it, and I was like, 
I can't hear you. It goes from us sounding like this to us sounding like like the uh, Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> and then they do the other one, and then you can't hear, and you, and you can hear yourself breathing. It's like if you push your thumbs and ears as hard as you can, you can hear your heart beat in your ear. Like it's the weirdest thing. So then those those have to sit there. Oh, are you, you writing a poem right now? I am. <laughs> a heartbeat in your ear. It's you. You know, you make me feel roses are red, violets are blue. You make me feel like I can hear my heartbeat in my ears. Oh, that's adorable. Let's save that for, for V Day. Will you next go to year? the Enchantment by the Sea dance with me? Oh, I was trying to think of a line real quick from Back to the Future. If you want to go there, so then, so then, so they take your molds and they they make these in your monitors, completely specific to your ear hole. Yeah, exactly, to your ear hole. Um, yeah, so then you, you eventually get these little things, and and when you first get them, they're, they're really weird. If you ever had them before, they're so weird to put in your ear. Mm-hmm. Now it's easy, just pop well, in real quick. My first month or two. Of my last ones, because your ears change as you get older. Yeah, it's recommended that you get new molds every two years, but a lot of, I can't afford that. Mine actually, I, well, I can't either. Mine, um, they are pretty expensive if you get really good ones. Mine hurt my ears for about a month or two. It, like, my ears were sore. Uh, that could have from just cramming That could have been there. a bad bad uh, molding job, actually. Well, it got better. Yeah. When my ears just well, weren't used to it. Well, your ear canal probably actually adapted to it. Mm. The last set of ears I got, maybe a little less than a year ago, um... I could barely get them in. Now, this was a different technology, like I mentioned before, and now a lot of um, the molding process was still the same. <coughs> There's also a technology now that they can actually mold your ear, but with laser, like laser scan. Hmm. Um, but this inner company that we were using with Kings, um, I can't remember the name of them, uh, Roxanne or something. Roxanne, you don't have to mold up my ears tonight. Roxanne. Um, they did the normal uh, expanding foam way to mold your ears. However, the way they, they did uh, 3D printing for the inners. Right. So we got them, and I was super excited about them. Got custom color and all this stuff. I went to put it in my ear, and I was like, ow, 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 ow. And I finally got it in. The first show I ever used them on, after three, four songs, my ears were like unbearably sore. Mm-hmm. Where I, I was like, I'm taking them out. I, and when I grabbed my opened my work box, grabbed my old in ears, put them back in. Tried it for like the next couple shows. Finally, I went to our monitor guy who kind of facilitated the whole thing with his ears. And I said, hey, you have to send these back. Dude, it's awful. I can't, I can't wear them for more than two songs. And then I got new ones and it was better. Were they, you the only one? Was, was anyone one, else? I was the only one, yeah. Oh, weird. Because th- uh, 3D printing is a fairly new technology, especially in the... In, it goes in back to the early 19... 19- 60s exactly <laughs> but you know it's fairly new to the yeah, in- inner world so um yeah so i hope you guys get it well i'm Those gonna are... do a hard segue here how hard uh then we go into from the belt holes. okay <laughs> hey you asked me to explain it i love the um no i did and you did a great job thank you you're good enough you're smart enough and god damn it you explain molds well i did i do love the one-two punch of being ride the lightning tunes from Creeping Death into For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah, very cool. Because, you know, they can't do a barn burner three-hour set. This you, is, oh, no, they cannot. Now, it, it, I mean, I, they can. I, well, my finished thought was, this is, a, this is a specialized show. They're basically playing it to, to get this record yeah. to playing all seven continents. And they want to make it special, but there's only like 50 people there. They're cold. It's a really weird place. Yeah. They're playing 10 songs. 
What did they do? Uh, 11, actually. 11? Well, a Kirk solo. Yeah, yeah. So 10 songs and a Kirk solo, which we'll get to later. But right. So they're, this, they're, you know, they're going to pick 10 barn burners. Oh, yeah, for sure. Nothing nothing post-Black Album, right? Um, I don't think so. No? No, that's... Wow, I didn't even think about that. I mean, these, these fans are all... They're all trues. Yeah, but trues... Well, this, well, all right. Not, there's a there's a difference, right? There's a difference between diehards and trues. Yeah, yeah, true. Because a true might be off the ride post Black Album, but they're still trues. A diehard is into all of it. That's true. These are like, di- these are diehards. Yeah, they're diehards. So they could have handled like you and I are diehards. I w- I would submit like yeah, me if too. they play Dirty Window, we're in. Yeah, Projector, Ejector. I'm like, all right, I'm in. I like it. Antarctica. <laughs> I'm cold now. Can I go back to the My heat? butt fell off. Rejector. <laughs> so yeah, these are these are diehards. Oh yeah, for sure. But it is an old school set list. Yeah, it's Black Album and Back. Yeah. Did you notice uh, the beginning of Bells, they kind of mess up the intro? It's a little weird. What well, happened? It sounded like they went, instead of, it was three. They yeah, went, right. Da, 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 da. And when they, when they all come back in and land it, I thought like, wow, they all... They all just stuck to the program. Right, yeah. Because it is like, da-da, 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 da Yeah, it, it was very interesting. Like, uh, um, I'm not and, really sure what happened, but that, you, that happens to the best of bands, well, you know? And it's a weird show. There's no amps. There's no air being pushed on the deck except for the kick drum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're probably... I mean, I don't really get nervous anymore, but I wouldn't say it's nervous, but maybe it's nerves. There's Maybe a difference, so. right? There's a difference in being nervous. Well, nervous, and, and you're also in not only literal unfamiliar territory, but this is the first time that they're doing everything direct, as right. far as guitars, bass, right. not drums, obviously. You know, like in the thing I was watching, they're all kind of coming like, wow, my guitar actually sounds really good. Like, I think the whole direct guitar thing was new to them for, yes. this, for this show. Well, the, yeah, and we mentioned this <laughs> maybe an hour ago. I don't know. This episode suddenly feels long, but... Um, yeah, the, uh, you know, even within five years, the technology to play without amps is pretty yeah. new. I mean, they they had amps on the World Magnetic Tour. You can watch their rig rundown oh, yeah. from that tour where they have, like, boogies and cabinets under yep. the deck. Oh, yeah. So the new thing they do now, like, they've really dialed it in well. But, yeah, oh, yeah. But that, in 2013, that was probably pretty new. Very, yeah. Um, I'll, dude, I'll always love Rob's... Uh, I do think Rob's... It does to me feel more Cliff esque than Jason's. I yeah, think Jason I mean, did a great job. Of course he did. Yeah, but Rob, I don't know if it's the fingers instead I think, of the. Pick. I think it has to do with the fingers for I sure. Because we've talked about this before as guitar players, right? There's there's tone in your fingers that yeah you really can't replace with a plectrum. A plectrum, which is a fancy term for pick. Yeah. No, it's true though. I mean uh, that that applies on guitar or bass. You know, if you are finger picking a song, it's much more delicate sounding. Uh, softer tone, but it can even be heavier too. If you're, it's you hard to describe. There's, there's just more. There's more um, character in it. Oh yeah, definitely. whether it's softer or, or heavy, there's just more drama in your fingers. Like when I play acoustic guitar, I always play it with my my fingers. And sometimes people give me a pick, and what, if, I feel like when I play acoustic, sometimes it just gets very um, clinical sounding and like it's too Cl- bright and plucky, clinical, clinical. With your fingers, you can just kind of control the output more. I do love the sound of an acoustic, which you're playing with just with your thumb. Yeah, it's really it's really nice. Or I'll I'll actually hold my fingers as if I'm holding a pick. 
Other than that, play that way. Well, you're, you're almost kind of hitting the edge of your fingernail, too. Yeah. By the way, speaking of that, is your index finger on your right hand, does your nail grow like... Mine basically isn't like a nice little shape. Oh, like, no. Mine's fucked up. Yeah, mine is too. Does I'm, that for, come from guitar? Oh, yeah. Well, for me, it, it was years of playing a guitar in a band and doing like downstrokes on the guitar. Or as James says in the Death by Neck, making Ramones enough, in Ramones it. in it. I mean, you're doing... You're, you guys can't see me, but I'm playing guitar on my calf right now. Uh, my shin. You're basically doing fast downstrokes, and every time you hit the strings, your fingernail's hitting that too. But I noticed years ago, mine started growing. Basically, you're shaving part of it off. For me, it was 30 years of masturbating. Uh, that'll do it too. Ups- upside down, so. Ouch. Your fingernail? <laughs> yeah, doing like contortionist <laughs> masturbating, just hanging from wires and... I've seen this footage. It's, it's disturbing. <laughs> I thought you were speechless for a second. I almost was. All right, so uh, Kirk's intro, the or his the intro lead part. Very loud. Super loud, mix. super dry. Yeah. yeah Heffield's guitar is pretty quiet at the beginning. And, you know, maybe they were just figuring it out, you know? It's it's kind of a great experiment. Oh, it's all in new. Fa- yeah. In fact, James even actually says before Creeping Death, he says, are you ready to make history? We are, too. Like, I do like the the idea of, like... Yes, they planned it. They knew what they were getting into. They put all the gear in a goddamn freezer. They made yeah. sure it would survive. There's all that. But until you hit the deck and until you're fucking going, it's just, they're just fucking, I like the idea of it. Just like, we're just going to see what happens. I mean, imagine you, their, their perspective. Like, there's 20 diehard fans, the crew people, the 10 scientists that work. The, the climate Scientologists. Yeah. And then other than that, they're looking out like, we are further from most things in the world. We're lit- like when people joke, like you know, oh, I was literally in the middle of nowhere yesterday. Literally, you were twenty minutes from Nashville. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You I were, literally you, you were in almost, Spring Hill. Yeah, exactly. You were like twenty feet from a Walmart. I, I was literally in the middle of nowhere. I literally died. I literally died yesterday. Did you? Did you? Um, but this is a true case of like we are in the middle of nowhere. Like if the power went out and the boat sank, sorry. Oh, we're we're remember the movie Alive, the soccer team that ate oh, each yeah. other. We're do we're we're in Alive Part Two. This time it's this time this time it's, it's Metallica. And you're deciding. Guess who gets eaten first for sure? Big Mac. Oh, we're including crew. I'm saying I'm saying just Metallica. Band? I'm just saying Metallica. Well, all the fans eaten first. I would say fans get eaten first. <laughs> Yep. Then the scientists, then the bigger crew. But I'm talking about within Metallica. Guess who's getting first? I hate to say it. Rob. Robert Trujillo. Yeah, he's the newest. Guess who's getting eaten second, though? Kirk. Kirk Hammond. Now, Eater, James and Lars. You're be eaten. Lars would look at James and be like, you got a lot of meat on your body. I'm hungry. Well, James would be the better meal. Be the better meal. But who's going to be the killer? He's a hunter. James can... James can James hunts and kills bears. Yes. I think he might be able to kill a little Danish tennis player. <laughs> <laughs> the dainty orphan's gone. We have we have digressed. Um, yeah. I did notice um, during Bells uh, for the first time that Lars's double kicks is the actual Frieza Mall logo. Yeah. Which is like kind of a pusheadish uh, skull. It's awesome. Yeah. Dude, it's so Frozen cool. skull. It's oh, pitching. it's so good. Yeah. Remember when we did the remote show with Paul? 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 He's still not here at his own studio. Uh, a dude was wearing the uh, 
it was the Cleveland chapter shirt, but it looked like the Frieza Mall. Right, yeah. And we were like, we asked him if he went, and he said no. Yeah. I wonder if we, you know, let's put this out. Do we have any listeners that went to the Frieza Mall show? I mean, there was only 20-something of you, so. Well, surely some of them listen to the show, dude. I think, I mean, I think they were all from South America. We're a pretty big Metallica podcast, uh, We are giant. <laughs> Dozens of downloads a week. My stepdad is a patron. So. Uh, my next door neighbor is a patron. <laughs> my mom bought a t-shirt. Both amazing people. And so, yeah, to answer your question, we're kind of a big deal. Now, I also noticed during Bells, like I was watching the video on the official website, and the caption below the video says, thank, it says a thank you to Burton for keeping us warm. And I thought, is that some sort of like... Thanks to the spirit of Cliff Burton for keeping us warm? Or was there some like guy oh. named Burton who had like a heater? Or was Ray there passing out coats? <laughs> Ray's there passing out those little hand warmers. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that it's the spirit of Cliff Burton. That's cool. They were probably at a certain point, because they did a lot of like, I, I hesitate to say touristy stuff, but they went out on Zodiac and cruised around and were walking on different glaciers and this and that. For sure, all I love those... when you say this and that. By the way, this and that, is yeah, that is that's that... like your new totally. Is it totally? Um, well, it just covers a lot of ground. Yeah, well, when they went that, walking man. on glaciers and this and that, that covers a lot. Well, in okay, in Antarctica, what else are you going to walk on? This or that? Penguin carcasses. <laughs> you know, like Hakeem needs to walk on rose petals, right? In Antarctica, James Heffield only walks on penguin carcasses. Exactly. <laughs> it's on the writer. But you know that those dudes, especially James and Lars and Kirk, were probably like, man, Cliff would have loved this. Yeah, you know? I agree. Like Cliff, If Cliff would have been there, they would have been like doing their press conference and all of a sudden look out the window like, where's Cliff? And he would just be sledding down the hill. Yeah, he'd be like fishing with penguins. Yeah, naked. Just. Well, it is true. Like James talks about the thing that upset, one of the things that upset him the most about Cliff's death. Not to, I'm, I mean, I can't pretend to be inside his head, but he has said this. He said, was the idea that, like, we'll never ride into this, like, we'll never just be the four of us. Mm-hmm. We'll always have, a, like, another bass player. Right. Even if that had just been Jason, who I think more than earned his way. Sure. Same with Robert. Of course. But it'll never be just the four originals. Right. And I think when they go do something. Hang on, I'm an original, aren't I? Oh, here he come, here he come. I knew he couldn't. <laughs> We couldn't get away with that without fucking... I should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I wrote Jump in the Fire. (laughs) 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 Fucking butthole. All right, continue. Sorry. But like, I imagine when they go do something like new for them, which new... Like you talked about having a new thing, a Hawaiian shirt, right? Totally. This is their Hawaiian shirt. And we actually even stole that from them. Right. Uh, But... What new things do they have? Like, probably not yeah. a lot. They've they've seen the world, blah, blah, blah. I mean, more times than most of us have. But all these years later, to do... To, they're, they're making history. The only band that's done it. They're the kind of band that can have done that. Like, what bands can play six of the seven continents? And then decide, let's just make it seven and go to Antarctica. Yeah, and make not? it all work. And then, t- I, I guess it gets palpable in those moments of like, Cliff's yeah. not here. He's not here to share it with us for sure absolutely like the first time they played whatever Madison Square Garden the first time they they, they probably had a lot of firsts that were like absolutely shit, you know Cliff's there the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of yep, course of course alright um, James talks about after Bells that uh, it's the most memorable concert in Metallica history yeah uh, he says it's a dream come true and he says this is one for your grandchildren 
because uh, you're going to be telling them the story one day, and then they go into Saboteur. Yeah. I don't do do you. We want to see a concert of Metallica without that song. I don't think I do. I've seen it now several times. It's it, it's now become easily one of the staples of the Black Album. They have to play. Like if they don't play Creeping Death, which is my favorite Metallica song, by the way. I'm like, I get it. it sure. There's it, a lot of songs. But Savage True, I, I think I got to have it. Well, there's only like three or four songs in that vein. Yes. Dream No More, Thing That Should Not Be. I I think Devil's Dance is in that family. Totally. As I've said famously. Let's dance. <laughs> yeah. Let's dance. Well, the dancing part's not Everybody super dance. Heavy. You know what that's from? Everybody dance, dance now. now. Oh, you're talking about the <clears throat> Labyrinth. <clears throat> no, uh, Waiting for Guffman. Oh, crap. Christopher Guest. Get, in, get into that, dude. I know. Hey, I watch Christopher Guest films. That's I'm awesome. hip. I'm hip. I'm cool. I've s- <laughs> Are you doing Doctor Evil? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hip. I'm cool. Maka maka maka. What does he do? He has a macarena. I love. Oh. I love. What is he? Meow mix. Meow mix. We deliver. I love chicken. I love liver. I need to watch those again too. Okay. All right, Sabatru. Well, I'm saying, like, what, you, are you with me on Sabatru? Yes, You're of course. It's one of these songs that has to be played. I love when they play Sabatru. Like, wherever I may roam, all right, take it or leave it. It's great live. Take great. it or leave it, though. Totally. I'll, even nothing else matters. I'm like, uh, take it or leave it. I love it. I don't know if I think it should be I, every single I'm just saying show. I'd be okay if they didn't play it. I think the two songs off the Black Album they have to play every show are Inner Sandman and Struggle Sabatru. With and struggle with him of Wolf and Man, dude. I love that song. So do I. I love every song on that record. Crap. There's not one track skipper on that record. True. Sad but true. You know I we've never done this. Be a good idea for an episode. I did this with the single podcast theory guys. Every record, favorite song, least favorite song. Ooh. You want to do it right now? Every record. No, only no, I, I think this needs to be an episode. There's only ten of them. I know. That's 20 songs per person. All right. That, 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 that's that's 40,000 songs. That's, that's, and then you tell a friend, and then they tell two that's friends. Right. Let's save that for a whole episode. All right. Next, we got uh, Sanitarium, which I thought was interesting. Like, they're going to play... Well, they play one later, but it basically it was either Sanitarium or Fade to Black. Yeah. And then sure. went Sanitarium. Now, Kirk is playing a very interesting guitar that I've never seen before. Yeah. Or since. It's a burgundy, double cutaway Les Paul. Yeah. It seems like he didn't bring like any main guitars. He, he brought the mummy. Brought the mummy, but he might have a few of those. Well, he's brought the true. That's a good point. Yeah, he had a mummy guitar and he had um, he, his black uh, Gibson V, which also yeah. might not be the right. original gangster. Well, he definitely has duplicates of a lot of his like graphic guitars because like the Boris Car- uh, Car- uh, Car- uh, Karloff, Karloff one. Like while they were doing, he plays a white zombie one too in this show. Yeah. Well, and, and also the White Zombie one. So, but you're saying, yeah, you're right. Well, while they were doing the Worldwide tour, he had those guitars, and then at the same time, when they had like a two week break, he had his exhibit in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, right? It was in Salem. It was in Massachusetts. That's right, Massachusetts. Um, some of those guitars were hanging up in there, and they have some of those guitars in the Memory Remains Museum. Yeah, so I think there's duplicate. Now, I think the one he's whatever one he's played the most over the years, like you could see, like on the. White Zombie one, the Karloff one. There's like wear and tear around the pickup. Okay, that that's probably his main, and he probably right. has two or three backups. You know, it's true. Like, you wouldn't really know it unless you're kind of a diehard that digs in. 
But these guys love guitars and collect guitars. Oh, yeah. Um, Kirk Hammett owns one of the most famous 1959 Les Pauls. Or is it a 58? It's the Greenie, the Peter Green Les Paul. Yeah. And him and James, they have these like great old school Karina explorers and stuff. Yep. That double cutaway, I bet, is like, you're a guitar player. Dude, you and I have just gotten really cool guitars from Goldfinch Guitars. Yeah. Uh, a dude who's a fan of Ethan's work and knows of the podcast reached out and sent us some guitars. I recorded with the Kensington today yeah, on I've, your I've, record. I've used it like four or five times in this record. Um, you know what it is when you get a new guitar? You're like, you're just stoked and... Oh yeah, it made you know. I'm not saying this is true. The Goldfinch, like the Goldfinch, is going to be with me forever. But yeah. for someone like Kirk Hammett, who can play anything, yeah, he probably got it and loved it and played it for that. Maybe he played it for like a month, and that Freeze Them All show yeah. happened to fall in it, right? Because I've never seen that since. That's a pretty unique guitar for him. Yeah, for him, it's definitely unique. Usually for these Sanitarium Faded Blacks, he does play like a he plays a Les Paul, Les Paul yeah, custom. Yeah, that or he he has that one like just classic sunburst he plays sometimes. Um, that might be the greenie. No, no. It, the greenie's like a real faded honey burst. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And he he tours with it. That, yeah. that guitar is worth like $2 million. And he tours with it. Crazy. And he usually plays it on like Halo on Fire, Fade, fade to Black. Or Sanitarium. Yeah, like kind of those tunes. Yeah. Um, and I, I was going to say, we talked about the tone being really dry. In this song, his leads are wet. And I don't know why they... I don't know what... He just maybe prefers it on that one song or something. I think he needs to play it that way yeah. on all the leads. Come on, Kirk. Make it make your tone like the best way to get a burrito at a Mexican restaurant wet. You <laughs> <laughs> know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, dog. They, uh... I noticed, too, in this song that they have freeze them all picks. Well, James at one point goes, Do you go, who wants a pick? And like literally everyone, because they're standing right in front of him, their hands are like in his face, and he's like, "You can see on his face, he's like, I regret saying that." Yeah, he's like, uh, "You're all going to get them later." He's like, "Yeah, I'm I need sure these. they made enough for the." Well, show. he's like, "I need these for now." Sorry, right. I shouldn't have said that. He's doing typical frontman work, doing crowd work, like trying to. I do love that he's doing crowd work like he does at an arena or a stadium. <laughs> but there's like 20 scientists. There. Totally, he's <laughs> so funny. He's like, how does it feel to be alive? Are you out there? The penguins are like, how does it feel to be cold? Fuck you. I'm freezing. (laughs) Okay. uh, James says we're going to play something for you fast and heavy. And they go into Master Puppets. Interesting to see it kind of early in the set. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, this is a halfway point, but it's, we're like, what, 20 minutes in? Yeah. 26 minutes ish. Oh yeah, twenty six. Yeah, we have a we have a note there. That there's, a, says, there's a time right next to this. Exactly, and this is where Kirk does play the mummy guitar, which yeah. again might be the duplicate. Uh, James been playing a black snake bite, which the snake bites at this point are fairly new, a couple yeah. years old. Yeah, so he's probably still all stoked on that. What I found interesting was he's playing the snake bite for Sabbath True and these, so he had another black snake bite tuned down. Right. Yeah. Because that's in a different tuning. I mean, they probably, I mean, even down for an 11 step. or 10 song set, they still each probably had four guitars. Well, James maybe? starts the show with the LTD White Iron Cross. Yeah. And plays that for the first two or three. Yeah. yeah. Kirk plays the Caution Hot guitar. Yeah. Uh, I think James plays that elect, the Electra V for Seek and Destroy later. Right, yeah. Yeah, they probably had, what, five or six each? Yeah. Rob plays the Jocko bass. That's I my do. favorite bass he plays. Me too. Only because I'm just not a fan of all his other basses. What are the other ones he does? The Arias? 
I don't know the brand, but they remind me of like a Warwick or something. They are like Warwicks. They're really small bodies. Wait, the Arias are cliff spaces, right? Area Pro 2, yeah. Aria, other Aria other than the, uh, the Rick base. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, Area Pro 2 they actually... They do like Warwicks, Rob's bases. I, and I, I, like kind of small bodies. Very small bodies. They're body, really aerodynamic. Very active sounding as opposed well, to passive. But I think you need that sound. I guarantee you he put active pickups in that Jocko. I guarantee Cliff Burton didn't. Uh, well, I know Cliff didn't. <laughs> but I, I bet, dude, Rob plays the Jocko bass on For Whom the Belt Tolls. That's got to be active, right? That one sounds so good. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of active pickups in general. I'm not either. Never owned them. Never had them. Me too. If I got a snake bite, though, mm. and they put the headset in there. Might be a different story. No problem, though. Yeah. Kind of stock about nine volts, though. Yeah. I don't know. Got to. S- Whatever. Got to have a whole fucking cave of nine volts. Just a whole, so a whole storage volts, unit. Though, man. Okay, what do we have for this? Pretty decent standard live version. The maniacal laughter at the end. <laughs> oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Dr. Evil. I would have a lot of fun with that every night. I, I would w- extend it. I would make it like 20 minutes. I, I wish would, the- <laughs> I would get psychedelic. Because <laughs> they, put, they put all that great <clears throat> delay on it. Oh, yeah. Stuff. I wish they would just take you and I on tour just to switch off her and not go on. <laughs> <laughs> like under the stage laying down. <laughs> yeah. Clint and I would have been drinking the entire show by the end. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Clint, go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the tour, we would sound like the worst haunted house. <laughs> Welcome to the, the Tower of Demons. <laughs> Now your life is out of season. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm really laughing. (laughs) I know. Okay. Then we go into one. I was thinking, hearing the... Because, you know, they're they're playing the intro tape, right? Like the... Go, go, go. Yeah. But it's like daylight, and there's no backstage. Like they're all, they're all kind of distinct. Yeah, there's there. no explosions. There's like nowhere to go. Go, go, go. But it must be weird for James to hear like 1988 James doing that. Does anybody know what he says before go, go, go? It's like get your ass, go, go. Get your ass. It's like get your ass out there or something. Get your ass out there. Go, go, go. I don't know. Isn't something? Am I just projecting my own ass fantasy into that? It's fun. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> that's cool. Don't care. Hey, man, that's cool. No judgment. Hey, man, no it's, judgment. All right, it's all right, man. And nothing else. Good. Oh, the brought to us by Coke Zeros that keep reminding us. Yeah, it's just weird that like, the Coke Zero keeps... We made, joked earlier about that's so metal. Dude, yeah. okay, so I meant to mention this at the top of the show when we were talking about... I the, love Coke. I love Coke. Have you heard about this? So much sugar. Um, in the Coke-produced behind-the-scenes documentary... Mm-hmm. The intro thing, it's like Coca-Cola presents. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting for Metallica, freeze them all. Coca-Cola titled it. Wait for it. Rocking out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Total corporate. Oh, yeah. Miss, missing it. They're like, oh, this will be edgy and cool. It's Could, Metallica. Couldn't be cool if their fucking lives depended on it's it. It's Metallica. They're Rocking love- out on a glacier. Yeah, exactly. Rocking out. <laughs> I, first of all, I hate the term rocking out. Oh, me too. Hate it. But you guys really rocked out tonight. When you guys were rocking out. <laughs> were we? Did you? You know what? I w- you know, actually, you know, I was asleep during the show. I am evil. I am evil. Rocking out. <laughs> rocking out. Rocking out in the middle of nowhere. 
We're just, Coke Zero. You know what? Just take it from me and Clint. Pro tip for y'all. If you go to a show, whether it be Metallica, Anthrax, Lamb of God, somebody, Hailstorm, Paramore, Antarctica. Look at you doing all the callbacks, man. Don't leave the show and say, oh my, like someone's like, hey, I was a show last night. Oh my gosh. They just like rocked out. Dude, they rocked out so hard that I had to change my diaper three times. Oh, it was great. And then we got in the car on the way home and we listened to the, the latest record and we were rocking out in the car. We rocked out so hard. We were like headbanging. That's just a pro tip for you guys out there. Just the pro tip. Yeah. If you want to be professional, can, as we, play a, a, as can a we play a little game going? called Just the Pro Tip? Just the Pro Tip. All right. Before it gets insane over here. Moving on. Okay. Papers. Another weird moment, speaking of it being kind of just broad daylight, does the sun ever set in Antarctica? Is that a poem? Am I writing another poem? Does the sun ever set in Antarctica? Do <laughs> you want to do another? I'm with you. I'll get the harmony ready. I don't know what you're going to sing, but I'm in it. Does the sun Do it. Does the sun ever set in Antarctica? Yes, it does. Or, or not. not. <laughs> I'm ready, dude. I love it. My heart Where is... Where is the sun? <laughs> my, heart, my heart is open to this song, dude. This is, you know what? Going into this episode, I was like, okay, freeze them all. They played in Arnica. It, it, we, I even said to Clint before we started, this is not going to be a long episode. Well, we're in an hour and 40 now, so. Well, I'm having yeah. a good time. I'm having a great time. Just hanging out in Paul's studio. Paul? Paul! Paul! No, seriously, for real. Paul? Paul? What if we heard? Yes, I've been here the whole time. Get out! In this pump organ. <laughs> Does the sun ever set on Antarctica? I don't know. But we no. should go and find no. out. Right now. Does <laughs> Maybe we can borrow yeah, Lars Ulrich's planes. <laughs> All right, where were we? Are we, are we Do moving? you think their plane still has the coiled snake on it? I hope so. That was probably like they a, leased a least it. thing. Yeah, for they sure. leased it. it. They probably financed it. I was going to say, it's, it's, it's another weird broad daylight thing where they finish one, they can't go anywhere. They're doing a guitar change on stage, and you hear the blackened intro. Right. Like the, the pre-tape, you know. And it's just surreal. They're all because even James kind of is like smiling. Like it's kind of hard to I mean, do the showbiz. It's the equivalent of doing a rehearsal in front of twenty fans. It does feel like that, like a dre- like dress rehearsal. Not even dress rehearsal. Just like a casual rehearsal at HQ. It's not even as cool as a dress rehearsal. No, a dress guy. rehearsal actually has production. So they play black and it's cool. But James is playing this chrome Les Paul type guitar. I couldn't find it today. I tried to find it. Yeah, it's cool. I looked it up. I don't know what it is. It's real cool. Uh, Kirk playing the caution hot guitar, which. Man, that's that's classic Kirk. That's the Caution Hot ESP. Probably Black Album. He introduced that. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah, Black yeah. Album. Yeah, that with like that era with that guitar, the um, the the uh, the Jackson V. Oh, I, well, that's he, what he always played on. Uh, like Sabbath True. Sad. Yeah. Yep. Love it. I, I mean, I love I love all of, like that was when I really first started seeing the Mummy too. Is nineties, mm-hmm. and he always played that Spider Les Paul for Creeping Death. Love that one. Which I haven't seen that. I mean, he hasn't played that in a long time. And I miss it. Okay. Um, of course, Black and Being about 
uh, death of Mother Earth, the death of the planet. He gives kind of a short. It's not super preachy or anything, but he does give a little thing about preserve, preserve, you know, preserving Antarctica at the end, right? Which does feel a little weird to tie that song into like. Well, everyone's so let's pro- keep Antarctica cool, okay? Everyone's probably like, uh, "Cool, we're never coming back here again. We don't live here. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to be able to destroy a place no one wants to come. We to. literally have nothing to do with whatever's happening here." We but came here on a boat. What's interesting is that in the thing I watched, they talk about how Antarctica is not owned by anybody. It's not like, yeah, it's called Antarctica. Donald it's Trump hasn't built a casino on it yet? No, there, there's a Taj Mahal there. Um, <laughs> it's on the other side. No, but um, it's, it's... There's a Taj Mahal in Antarctica. Antarctica. Damn, I thought I had something I don't. Come this lose all your money in Antarctica. Antarctica. <sighs> I'm going to turn this song into my publisher tomorrow. <laughs> you should. They're going to pitch it to Garth Brooks. Um, but yeah, so like like Antarctica isn't like a place that like it's owned by... Like no one owns it, man. Like, you like know the I mean? stars own it. But isn't it weird to have an entire continent and there's not like a government? There's not... A- well, because you can't have a government with no people. Other than scientists, other but, than but they are other not than climate there. No one's from Antarctica. That's weird because you can't you can't make life there. Nothing lives there except penguins. Penguins, a couple birds they show real quick. Yeah, guess what they showed? And the whales. skeletons of birds and whales. Whales, yeah, yeah, whales, whales. Our distant relatives, mammals. Yes. Yeah. Okay, moving on. We get the sort of Kirk was doing this at the time. He was doing this kind of clean. Instead of the, I actually dig this. Instead of the big guitar hero playing with his butt and shit, mm-hmm. he does this kind of clean, finger picky, right. classical sounding thing. Well, what, it's a great way to transition into nothing else matters. Nothing else too. matters, yeah. And it's pretty good. Um, Imagine if he played with his butt in Antarctica. That put that in the Guinness Book of World. Put that shit in there. Put that. Put that F- shit. First man to play guitar with his butt in Antarctica in the Guinness Butt of World Records. Yes. He's back on that burgundy cutaway Les Paul. They do Nothing Else Matters, of course. James back on the Black Snake Bite. Another great James Solo. Mm. Uh, otherwise, pretty standard Nothing Else Matters performance. Yes, yeah, totally. This is a song where... You know what the legacy of this song is? For all of us dudes out here, I know we have a lot of uh, listeners who are ladies. But for the Sub-ladies. dudes out here, Nothing Else Matters is like the one song our girlfriends and wives like. It's oh like yeah, the, it's like the only. I'd say that and maybe Unforgiven. Maybe my wife's like bound She's like I like this. And then we're like new blood joins this. She's like I'm out. It's too heavy. Yeah, exactly. But nothing else matters. They're like oh it's sweet. It's touching. It's yeah. delicate. Until James goes yeah yeah yeah. But then that part's aggro enough where the chicks are like ooh this rocks. This is. They, they're really rocking out right now. You know there. what? They're really sensitive. wrote a really sensitive lyric that he repeats over and over. Then they rocked. Man, I love a song where uh, the guy's singing sensitive and then he rocks out at the end. It is weird that that song is just those three verses that he just repeats a million times. He, he could have written some more verses. Uh, Well, one starts... So close no matter how far. far. Right. I never open myself this way. Life is ours. We live it our way. But then he just repeats those. Doesn't bother me. Well, I mean, I'm not bothered by it, but you seem bothered. Ooh, you know what? Hot and bothered. <laughs> Who was that? Like, Kicks or one of those bands? Ooh, Kicks. Hot and bothered. Was that God? 
poison. You're a big poison no, fan. I'm a poison, poison deep cut. <laughs> I'm a big poison you fan. You are. I liked poison when I was in like elementary school and it just, you know. I actually I'm more fascinated with Brett Michaels than I am a fan of poison. Wow. Because he's a fascinating specimen. Yeah, he is. Did That's you watch true. Rock of Love? No. One of the most entertaining quote unquote reality shows. I didn't. It's about this and that. You know, this and that. Yeah. Wear do rag this and that. Totally. Um There's not much to say about Nothing Else Matters, is there? No. It's a great song. A gr- of course it is. It's a Metallica classic. Classic ballad. It is a great song. Like yes. from a songwriting standpoint, like my friends are like, ooh, ooh. I'm like, well, go listen to Nothing Else Matters. Yeah. And you know, an amazing Bob Rock moment too. Like of the sound of that record, the layering, the the fucking big speed guitar. Great. The vocals, the harmonies. Love that it. that was all new shit. Oh yeah. It's it's that it's this point, this black album stuff. It's even more so than Load and Reload. It's where I so hardly diverge from quote unquote trues. Yeah. Where we just are totally like ships in the night, we don't understand each other because mm-hmm. I'm I'm sitting here going, I don't understand why you don't like it. And they're going, I don't understand why you think it's good. Why you think that's Metallica. But to me, it's not that far from Fade to Black, which is 1984. Not at all. Are you kidding? It's the same band that did... The Unforgiven is, if anything, I, was, I would say might be a little heavier than Fade to Black. Yeah? That verse... Yeah. I don't know. Well, and, and the second half of the solo is heavy as fuck. Yes. You can watch both of these and I play that solo on our Instagram page. <laughs> Scroll back on Instagram, you'll find it. All right, let's go into Inner Sandman. Good God. Have you heard this song before? I have. What else is there to say about Inner Sandman? Is it even worth saying anything about? Then the band Metallica plays the song Inner Sandman. 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 That's, yeah. That's, uh, he sandmanned it. Um, I mean, James if- does say thanks for celebrating life with us. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, I love it, and then he before they do the quote unquote encore. It's not really an encore because they can't leave the stage because there's literally nowhere to there's go. There's nowhere to go, and the boat was parked three miles offshore. Three miles. Three miles. So also in that thing, God, we could have done a whole episode on just the gear getting to that the coast. The sh- it was parked three miles off the shore. They had to do I think it was like 117 trips to the boat by Zodiac to get Holy all the gear. Shit. Yeah. Is that the thing that cleans up hockey? Three miles. Games? That, n- no. What is that called? That's a um, wow. I'm a hockey fan. I'm blank here now. It's not a Zodiac. It's a. I think it's called a Zodiac. <laughs> oh my god! I'm the worst. Zamboni. Zamboni. God, why did Wait, I? Wait, is that right? I kind of yeah, no Zamboni's up. right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is what happens when you do a podcast. I about can't a... believe I knew that. I'm proud of you. Are you a big hockey fan now? The biggest. You know when I, I become a big hockey fan? Playoffs. When the Preds are in the fucking. Playoffs. Yes, you do. And when the dude, when the Preds were in the cup last year, oh my god, it was like so exciting. You you could have, I would have killed for the Preds. As oh soon as the Preds got out of the playoffs this year, I was like, fuck it. You're like fucking hockey sucks, man. Well, like we were playing in Vegas for some country thing. I don't even know when that hockey team was kind of killing it, and of course they got killed in the cup. But they went to the cup, the Golden Knights. And they're still it's still happening. But they're getting killed, right? Oh yeah, they're getting destroyed by Washington right now. Yeah. There's one one game left. That game will be over by the time this episode airs. Okay. So I'll just say right now, congrats to the uh, Washington Capitals. How many trips on the Zamboni? On the Zamboni, uh, what's a Zodiac? A Zodiac's like a 
badass little blow-up boat. Okay, 117 trips. It's something like 140, whatever. It was over 100 trips back and forth to the boat. It was literally like one case at a time, depending on how big it was. Just the one caution hot guitar. There was like three Zodiacs going back and forth. Wow. Yeah, insane. So it took, and because of that crazy storm they, they had, they boated through for 36 hours, it set them back another like 14 hours because they had to go slower. Hmm. So it was like a week and maybe an extra day on that boat. Wow. I I hope and I'm sure that their crew is compensated well. They have to travel the world all the time, do probably. crazy shit like that. Well, I think their their direct crew was probably flying with them. Oh, this was local, local. This crews. was like all the camera crew, the dudes that set up the dome, right? All that stuff. Um, I don't, I could. It didn't look like it when I watched that any Metallica actual crew was there. Okay, I could be wrong, but it didn't look like it. Uh, James, who just ever in dad mode. Makes the joke, the penguins are still sleeping. We got to wake them up. They're locals. The local tuxedos. Such a dad joke. Then he says, did you guys see some good wildlife? I'm looking at some wildlife right now. <laughs> now, now, let's just camp out here just for one second. Cause I the, would love to. Because this juxtaposition both bewilders me and makes me feel happy because it's so real. Right. Now, James Hetfield is a hero of mine, as, as I know he is of, of yours. Of course, yeah. And in many ways, one of the gods of metal with Tony Iommi yep. and Bruce Dickinson. Rob Halford. Like, yes. Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, yes. He's one of them. Oh, Lemmy, yeah. uh, Glenn Danzig. Now, yeah. James Hetfield is one, if not the king of all of this. All right? And yet... He's like a king. And yet, he's just always been so goofy. And I, I love it and am bewildered by it. I know, me too. You know what? It, you know what it always reminds me of. It, it reminds me of why I'm thankful that he got sober. Yeah, because he didn't get that way until he got sober. I mean, he was always kind of goofy. You watch a year and a half, but it had that Metallica. kind of vulgar edge to it. Totally pre pre kid pre sobriety. Once he got sober, he became like a goofy dad. Yeah, and as cheesy as it might be, sometimes I appreciate it because he's just being himself. No, as, I like it. It grounds totally. it all, right? Yeah. But I mean, I'm looking at some wildlife right now. Yeah, did you guys see some good wildlife today? I'm looking at wildlife right now. It's like it's like almost like if James is going to talk and not and not be doing the kind of standard like, how does it feel to be alive? Right. If he's just sort of riffing, you better have that buttock ready. I wish... Because that motherfucker is making jokes. Totally. Come on, Lars, get on it. Or just give Kirk a snare and a cymbal. Um, I think one missed opportunity of the show on James's part. Like, hey, are you guys freezing? Are you freezing? Are Can't you freezing? How does it feel to be freezing? No, biggest missed opportunity of this whole show. They didn't play Trapped Under Ice. Yeah. Isn't that insane? That's insane. They should have. Didn't play the song Through the Never in the movie Through the Never. Yeah. What are they doing? Come on, dudes. Historic show. When are they ass. going to hire us? To travel with them. And write their set list. Write the set list. Write the songs. <laughs> Pick out their clothes. Groom their beards. Wash the royal panesia. Panesia. They'll probably never do that. Now we end with Seek and Destroy. James praises the crew and all the fans and people that made it possible. We've talked about that. We could yeah. do a really whole show on the logistics of getting, making that work. 
they're kind of rocking out right in the fans' faces. It's cool. Rocking out. Skin. And he does, James does, skin in the sea in Antarctica tonight. And he even <laughs>, laughs doing it because it. Well, it's too many syllables. <laughs> it's, it doesn't really work. Skin in the sea in Antarctica tonight. He has to, like, sort of cram it in. Yeah, yeah. He could have said skin in the scene in the Arctic tonight. Ooh. See, that's why we need to be on <laughs> tour with these motherfuckers. There. James, lyrical advisor. James, right here. I have a great idea for Seek and Destroy. Improvisational lyrical advisor. Rob sort of humorously does the mini helicopter. You know, in Secret Story, he does this big helicopter move. Right, yeah. Which... Not how, my favorite. How do, it's not my favorite. Well, no, definitely not my favorite. In fact, my our drummer, Kevin, a friend of mine, who is a metallic, kind of a casual Metallica fan. Okay. He was like, he texted me the day, he was like, man, let's watch that, the Nîmes show, the France show. Oh, yeah, Where yeah, they're yeah. in that Coliseum. Oh, that one's great. They played Dyer's Eve at that show. They open with Blackened, yeah. into Creeping Death, yeah. into Fuel. But anyway, he was like, man, I dipped into that show. He's like, God damn, you know, like, that's some good shit. I'm like, dude, that's like one of the best. Yeah. And he goes, that crab walk stuff, though. He was like, I just can't Most get on board. Most people can hang with it. I mean, at this point, I mean, yes. I, I think if you're a diehard, you're, you're in and he, he's, he's in. But My thought is, do I, do I prefer that he does the crab walk or the helicopter? No. Do I get pissed about it? Not at all. Can't imagine getting mad you know, about it. To me, it. it's raw. That's what he does. I don't prefer. He's going to wear a basketball jersey. He's going to wear shorts. Do I like that Lars always stands up and does like the arm? He like throws the hole his in arm one. Down. Like, I got a hole in one on the golf course. No, not really. But it's Lars. Do I like that Lars is just always chewing on a toothpick? No, I kind of do. You do? You like that? A little bit. What's he doing? Probably get some popcorn. Got some curls stuck in. Is that pants. like post cocaine? Like he's sober it, from coke. It, it might be like an oral fixation. And this is like oral old, fixation maybe, shit. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Lars, if you're listening, let's talk, let's talk toothpicks. <laughs> Call in 555 Metal of Your Podcast. We'll get to the bottom of your past cocaine addiction. Hey, he's not been secretive about that. Yeah. He's been he's come out about that, right? Oh yeah. Or maybe it was maybe it was Liam Gallagher that did. I don't know. Oh, Liam did. No, he no, didn't he say that Noel, Noel's who helped him get sober. Or Noel, yeah, Noel helped him get sober. Yeah. That's great. We should have Noel on the show. All right. Noel, can text me later. We know you're listening. You're a huge fan of the show. Just Hit us up. Hit me up well, here's the deal, man. Snapchat me. Freeze them all. And I did not prepare this, so I might stumble through it. This is the thought that's occurring to me right now. Freeze them all is a great example of what we love about Metallica, right? They find frontiers. They push boundaries. They take chances. And they, they do cool shit. Mm-hmm. It, makes well, me pr- what- it makes me proud that they're the only band that's played all seven continents. Yeah. Legitimately. Right. Now... Antarctica was kind of for, forced into that to make it, to complete it. Right. But they legitimately played six continents, probably in stadiums and arenas, probably all sold out all over the world mm-hmm. that year. Yep. And I love that they took it to, they're a band that takes shit to the next level. Yeah. Well, here's what's cool too is that, so it was obviously a big undertaking to do the show. They could have done it with no fans and just filmed something them playing on the snow and taking like off. done one song one song hey we played it we've done all seven continents we're in the, let's we, go home right they made a trip out of it their families it, were there they made it the whole thing they were out on boats looking at glaciers and exploring and meeting with it brought fans there this is why we love metallica because they do these things even if they're gonna go to fucking antarctica they're gonna be like you know what we we need to have fans here yeah even if it's only 20 of them they were probably like how many can we, can we house on the boat uh, about 22 cool 
22 people, you know, we have a contest and they can win. And the they made it a contest. Like, yeah, yeah they, it, like, I'm, I'm sure they had to sort of figure out how to get there, like, make combinations. I think the contest was, do you want to go through a gnarly storm and be on a boat for a week? Right. But didn't tell them what it was for. Well, they were like, we're either filming another Indiana Jones film or you're, go- you're going to a Metallica concert. We're either America. filming The Bachelorette or... <laughs> this is either an episode of Naked and Afraid, Antarctica style. Are we by train tracks? Yeah. I don't know if you guys can hear that. It's a train. I hear the train a-coming. It's rolling down Berry Hill. And I ain't seen the sunshine the since Antarctica. Antarctica. I shot Antarctica. a man in Antarctica just to watch him freeze. When I hear that penguin coming, that's what tortures me. Man, we're great. We're really good. We are so talented. That was just a, that was a little example of what the, the magic in the studio that happens here. That's what you're going to hear yeah. for all you who supported the uh, Kickstarter. Exactly, that's, that's yeah. we're here. <laughs> well, let's get out of here. Let's say goodbye let's to do the people. It. I'm super, I'm shocked. We're at. I mean, this episode, as we're recording, it was obviously edited. It's going to get a little longer with some clips and stuff. But we've been recording for two hours. You know what we did? You know what people say the most about us that I think is true, and it's what I like about my favorite. I know podcast. we're handsome. I get it. Is they say it just feels like hanging out with your friends talking about Metallica, and that's what we did today. We one hundred percent did. So I ain't gonna apologize for it. Hey, ain't nobody got time for that. Hey, if you dig the show and you haven't done it yet, go to iTunes, leave us that positive review. It goes a long way. It helps. It's not just for our egos. When people are looking up Metallica podcasts, about thirty-five of them show up. Yeah. And when they look at the ratings, they decide I'm gonna give this one or that one a chance. Yep. Now. The higher our rating is, the more likely that people are going to discover our show and feel the same joy in their torso that you feel right now. The same burning in the loins. Exactly. The burning of the loins. Yeah. Which, this is my, it's my new poem, by the way. Burning of the loins. I can't wait to hear it. Go to patreon.com backslash metal podcast if you want to get involved on a higher level. Get to higher ground, as Stevie Wonder once said. That's right. And the Chili Peppers. Yeah. We love and appreciate everyone who listens. We know that... Uh, we know that your time's valuable. Your ears are valuable. We dig it. We're having a good time. Oh, yeah. We're all the socials. Come follow us there. Anything else before we get out of here? Should you want to get, get a hold of, of us? Show at gmail.com. You know the drill. Thank you again to Paul Moak for letting us invade HQ4. Paul? Paul? Thanks for listening, guys. It's time to go. Peace. Adios. If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>